Listening to I Love Old Time Radio with your host, Virtual Vinny. Merry Christmas to all you old time radio fans out there. Last year for this holiday, we played the immortal It's a Wonderful Life with the original stars Jimmy Stewart and Donna Reed live on YouTube. This year, I wanted to do something different, and as you can see by the length of this special, it is different. So right now, it's time to warm up our singing voices with a Christmas Sing with Bing from December 24th, 1961. Merry Christmas, everybody. It's Christmas Eve. And time again for the Christmas Sing with Bing, presented by the Insurance Company of North America, as a tribute to the more than 20,000 independent agents and brokers who represent INA. Yes, Cannon is always affectionately dedicated by INA to the happiness and security of families everywhere. Including our good friends in Canada. Christmas Sing with Bing is heard across the country, Alaska and Hawaii, over the CBS radio network, and throughout the world, over the Voice of America and the Armed Forces Radio Network. Indeed, ladies and gentlemen, it's the big night again. But isn't it magnificent? Oh, Bing, Christmas is for children. Well, we are children for the night, aren't we, Ken? That's what I mean. I know that's what you meant. <laughs> and Bing, may I say you don't look a year older than you did last Christmas Eve? Oh, I'd be very grateful if you would. Oh, I'll tell you something, Ken. 
Christmas time's a great rejuvenator, isn't it? Yes, sir, and I'm for it. Oh, everybody's for Christmas, and Christmas is for everybody. In fact, Christmas is for all. It's for children, grown-ups, dogs, cats, even our parakeets. <laughs> I know, our birdcage is really decorated this year. Well, why not? All of God's children are basking in the benefits of the season. As it should be, too. And, Ken, do you realize this makes our seventh Christmas sing, our seventh Christmas get-together for INA? Seven years? Mm -hmm. Golly, it doesn't seem that long. Oh, yes, Ken, but look back, think back. You'll see it makes seven. That's right, Bing. So tonight, I think we should get in a mellow mood, sort of, you know, sentimental. Don't you think, Ken? Oh, definitely. After all, we've been singing together here with people from around the world for all these years, and... We have some wonderful friends and neighbors dropping in to sing with us again tonight. I'm glad you mentioned singing, Kenneth, because that's what we're here for. So stand back. Let's launch the first carol before we lose our enthusiasm. Joy to the world. All you carolers out there now, joy to the world. And if you don't mind, uh, I'll take the solo part. I like to grab one, you know, while I'm still fresh. Okay? It's okay by me. Okay, then join me, whoever and wherever you are, on this Christmas Eve. And that includes Paul Weston... And the Norman Luboff Choir. Everybody sing out now. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and heaven and nature sing. All right, everybody now in the family key, please. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns, let men their songs and for this wonderful night. Yes, it's a night of friendship and warmth and good fellowship and a deeply devout night, too, of course. Well, tonight then, Bing, I think we ought to get real nostalgic, uh, maybe even maudlin. Oh, I think we might, yeah. I'm for the sentimental touch, you know, every time. Then let's say this is the night for sentiment and singing. And now to present our friends and neighbors who join with us tonight. First caroler on hand, because she arrived with her husband, is Mrs. Paul Weston. Known to you devotees of the show world is Joe Stafford. Merry Christmas, Bing. Ken, Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas Joe. Joe. And a special word to Rosemary Clooney. Rosie girl, I'm sorry you're bedded down with that flu bug and can't be here tonight, 
But I hope you're listening, because we all want to say get well and Merry Christmas. That's your right, Rosie. Take care of yourself now. We all miss you. And next to arrive... I am Edgar Bergen, also a caroler. Well, then enter Edgar Bergen. I am a caroler, frosty spangled and chilled, <laughs> anxious to join in the celebration. Well, warm yourself at the fire, Edgar, and who's the little fellow with you there? Is he a caroler, too? You're darn tootin' I'm a caroler. I'm a tenor. Oh, uh, Charlie, I think you're a soprano. I still think I'm a tenor. But Merry Christmas, Bergen. I'm not going to start a fight with you tonight, you know. It's tough enough to get a present out of you when we're chums. Oh. <laughs> now, no beefs tonight, huh, Charlie? No, sir, Mr. Crosby. You know, Bergen has been known to start a little trouble on Christmas Eve so he could sort of hold back in the gift department. <laughs> now, Charlie, you know that Santa left you something last year? Yes, he did. What he left me, he could have blown through the keyhole. A swallow could have dropped it off on his way to Capistrano. Oh, Charlie. You see, Mr. Crosby, you see how he's trying to pick a fight? <laughs> Here comes another strolling player, and I think her name, uh, well, I think it's Catherine Crosby, isn't it? Right you are, sire. I am a caroler, eager and merry and anxious to join this happy hijinks of hilarity. Well, move in, caroler Catherine. Say, she's cute. Charlie, that's Bing's wife. Well, that doesn't prevent her from being cute, does it? <laughs> Now, listen, Bergen, I warned you not to start a fight, or you're not going to get your present. <laughs> well, I thought you were worried about not getting a present from me. Well, I am. I'm worried about everything tonight. Tension is running very high. Simmer, simmer, simmer down, if you will, now, Charlie. It's time for a song from one of our top carolers, Miss Joe Stafford. Joe, take the solo part now. It's your turn. Thanks, Bing. And the song is Winter Wonderland. <laughs> Job when you're in town. Later on, 
great. You're in wonderful voice tonight, Miss Stafford. Thanks again, Bing. You know, when I hear songs like that, it, well, it sort of makes me feel a little sad. Really? Sad? Yeah. Sad that out here where we live, there isn't any snow and there aren't any sleighs or sleigh bells. <laughs> it's more than evident that you haven't tried to cross Hollywood Boulevard around 7 o'clock in the evening recently. <laughs> oh, you're so right, Bing. Only in Hollywood can you find traffic backed up a half a mile on both sides while the genuine Santa Claus rides down the boulevard on his sleigh with... More small fry packed along the curbs per square inch than you'd find at a backwoods swimming hole in midsummer. Ah, Bing, that's pure poetry. That's sweet. But there's no snow. <laughs> no use, Joe. Kid's a purist, I guess, all the way. But you know, talking about snow and Santa and all the things that, that fit the Courier and Ives prints of Christmas puts me in mind... Well, it puts me in mind to have a, have a go at another old carol that paints a busy picture of this happy time. Deck the halls with boughs of holly. So why don't you all join me out there, huh? Sing out loud and clear now. Deck the halls, everybody. Deck the halls with boughs of holly. Fa la 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 la. Tis the season to be jolly. Fa la 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 la. Don we now our gay apparel. Fa la 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 la. Troll the ancient Yuletide carol. Fa la 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 la. Dedicated to all of you out there who are still decking your halls and your trees. To all you last-minute harassed tree trimmers, package wrappers. <laughs> that frantic group will always be with us, won't they, Bing? Some people are still doing their Christmas shopping, I'll bet. You can bet that, Catherine. You'd win, too. You know, Christmas is something that never gets done until it's done. Uh, speaking of Christmas packages, Bing, and uh, I guess you were... I'd like to inject a word or so at this time. This time or any time, Kenneth? Oh, that's what I mean, Bing. This time or any time. That word package is mighty important to INA agents. Hey, why is that, Carpenter? Do INA agents get tied up all the time? Charlie, you're interrupting Mr. Carpenter. <laughs> that's all right, Edgar. Let the little fellow speak. Everybody should ask about INA package insurance because it's so handy to have around the house and economical. Sure, like roller skates, cookies, and frogman equipment for taking baths and all that jazz. <laughs> Charlie, Charlie, you, you certainly live in a cozy little world of your own. Well, it's home to me. <laughs> exactly, Charlie. And the whole point of INA package insurance is to protect everything in that home or to protect the life or the health of the people in it. There are INA package policies for home, health, car, and life. I'll buy that, Carpenter. Or at least Bergen will. Buy what, Charlie? Some of that nice INA package insurance. You can put it in my stocking for Christmas, Dad. <laughs> you like that, would you, Charlie? Yeah, sure would. After all, you're, you're getting along in years and nobody lives forever. If you can't take care of me, INA will. <laughs> That's a big order. 
Is anybody capable of taking care of Charlie, INA, or anybody else? Mr. Crosby, sir, if I might suggest, you make with the music and I'll ask the questions. Well, that certainly sounds like a square deal, Charlie. You know, Bing, there's another thing about Christmas. Some people take an organized viewpoint on Christmas, and some people take a disorganized viewpoint. Now, I prefer to be organized myself. And so do I. I like to get everything done and wrapped and delivered so I can sit down and relax three or four days before Christmas. Are you listening, Ken, how these two carry on? <laughs> yeah, they're taking a pretty smug attitude, if you ask me. Oh, they're cool now, but wait till they discover all the little things they forgot. Well, all Joe and I were trying to say was that there are some individuals who just insist upon confusion. Oh, but such wonderful, wonderful confusion, you oh. must admit. <laughs> yes, it's panic and plum pudding. It's chaos and candy cane. Turmoil and turkey. But we love it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's wonderful at this season to see how the grown-ups, especially the men, appreciate the children's toys. Well, we got to have a little fun, don't we? we got to live. Now, while Mrs. Crosby's right beside me here at the mic, I think it's a, sort of a propitious time to join her in a song that, well, we've rehearsed this thing a little bit, I think adequately. This is a very large item with the nursery set and a happy one for us all, too, but... Let's dedicate it to all the newly arrived children of the year. You know Dasher and Dancer and Prancer and Vixen. Comet and Cupid and Donner and Blitzen. But do you recall that most famous reindeer of all? Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Had a very shiny nose And if you ever saw it You would even say it glowed On a 60 water All of the other reindeer Used to laugh and call him names They never let poor Rudolph Join in any reindeer game Then one foggy Christmas Eve Santa came to I say there, Rudolph, Rudy, with your nose so bright. How about guiding my sleigh tonight? Then how the reindeer loved him As they shouted out with glee Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer You go down in history With your nose so bright, please guide Santa's way tonight. That's why the children love him, and they holler out with glee. Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer, you'll go down in history. That was very nice, sir. Catherine, very handy. It was wonderful to sing with you, darling. Happy to be your guest. Say, friends, wherever you are tonight, whether you're in the snows of New England or up in the Northwest or on the warm tropical beaches of the Florida coast, I really hope that you're getting into the spirit of this Christmas sing. I don't mean just sitting back in your easy chair listening to us have all the fun. I mean throwing back your heads, opening up your hearts, singing as loud or as pretty as you know how. Gang singing is a lot more fun than you'll ever know unless, well, unless you give it a whirl sometime. So come on now, join me in the first Noel. If you don't know the words, well, hum a little, tap your feet, or 
gee whiz, do something. You ready? The first Noel the angel did say Was to certain poor shepherds In fields as they lay In fields where they lay Keeping their sheep On a cold winter's night That was so deep Noel, 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 Noel Born is the King of Israel They looked up and saw a star Shining in the east beyond them Joe Stafford and I want to take over with some of the Christmas songs that found their way into the hearts of boys and girls and, well, men and women, too, via the hit parade. You with me, Joe? I'm with you, Bing. Then we're off. We're off like Santa's reindeer. Crack the whip, Paul. Thank you, dear. Oh, we had to give him a line. He read it well, too. He projects nicely. Well, away we go. Incidentally, Bing, you can be the lead reindeer. Oh, thank you. You're sweet. Drape a little tinsel over my antlers, will you? You can decorate me as I sing. All right, here we go with the last minute trimming and decorating. You better watch out. You better not cry. Better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. Making a list, checking it twice Gonna find out who's naughty and nice Santa Claus is coming to town He sees you when you're sleeping He knows when you're awake He knows if you've been bad or good So be good for goodness sake Oh, you better watch out You better not cry You better not pout, I'm telling you why Santa Claus is coming to town. Silver bells, silver bells. City sidewalks, busy sidewalks, dressed in holiday style. In the air, there's a feeling of Christmas. Children laughing, people passing, meeting smile after smile. And on every street corner you hear silver bells, silver bells, silver bells. Silver bells. It's Christmas time in the city. 
and blitzing and all his reindeer pulling on the rain. Bells are ringing, children singing, all is merry and bright. Hang your stockings and say your prayers, cause Santa Claus comes tonight. Here comes Santa Claus, here comes Santa Claus, right down Santa Claus Lane. Got a bag filled with toys for the boys and girls again. Hear the sleepers jingle jangle, what a beautiful sight. Jump in bed, cover up your head, cause Santa Claus comes to That was jolly, Joe, real jolly. Thank you, Bing. Rosie Clooney told me it'd be like this, and, but may I say that you're the nicest reindeer this reindeer ever worked with. Okay, well, <laughs> cut out then, Dancer. That is just for the moment, you, you know what I mean? Oh, yes, yes, we'll be back again. By the way, I didn't get your name. Prancer. Hmm, glad to know you, Prancer. I'll see you around, Dancer. I'll tell you one thing. We had a hard time pulling that sleigh with no snow. That's the way it is. It's Christmas time, Joe. Sometimes there's just no snow, but in some localities, the land is blanketed with it. You know, the ideal coloring, really, I think, for Christmas. But in our minds, I actually, uh, I think we can all picture a white Christmas. Say, why don't you sing that? Oh, I fully intend to. <laughs> in other words, you weren't doing all that build-up to sing Moon Over Miami, right? <laughs> no, I wasn't. <laughs> Tell you, you're a Tennessee sly one. twist, either. <laughs> oh, I really love this song. Well, now, who doesn't? Like the ones I used to know Where the treetops glisten And children listen To hear sleigh bells in the snow
Beautiful, Bing, beautiful. You yeah. sang it like you knew it. Oh, Ken, there's one I don't really have to fake that one. If I may cut in here, Ken, I, I'd like to say that White Christmas is just about a standard Christmas carol by now. Certainly rates such status. So I wonder how uh, White Christmas is selling. Oh, well, it's selling big at our house. Okay, that's enough of the commercial on White Christmas. <laughs> Irving Berlin will be very grateful. I'm sure. <laughs> we'll be back with more of our seventh annual Christmas Sing with Bing as soon as we've heard from all the lads at the locals across the nation. This is the CBS Radio Network. Here we are now, back to the Christmas Sing with Bing. And Edgar Bergen, Joe Stafford, Catherine Crosby, Charlie McCarthy, Paul Weston, the Norman Luboff Choir, from London, the St. Michael's Choir, and yours truly, Ken Carpenter. Merry, Merry Christmas to all listening, and to all of you assembled at home and at the fireside. Rejoice with us as we drag the Yule log into the great hall. We are carol singers, maskers, and mummers. Uh-huh. <laughs> let us be gleeful, let us be gay, let us be of good cheer. And let us open the presents. <laughs> <laughs> let us be grateful and devout in appreciation of the traditional spirit of Christmas. You know, being that word tradition is getting to mean a good deal on this program. You're quite right, Ken. This is the seventh year that I've been singing on Christmas Eve for the insurance company of North America. Now, that's tradition. Ah, yes. And INA itself means a good deal in the way of tradition, too. You know, they're the oldest strongest stock, fire, and marine insurance company in America. Born in Philadelphia back in 1792, which wasn't too long, I guess, after this country got underway. And personally, I find such a well-established tradition mighty reassuring when it comes to such a vital thing as insurance. So congratulations to the insurance company of North America and the more than 20,000 local independent agents and brokers who represent it. Long may they flourish along with the wonderful reputation for service that INA has gained for itself over the years. Well, now, ladies and gentlemen, Joe Stafford's going to take over here with another Christmas standard, the Christmas song. You quite ready, Joe? All I need is a small introduction from the orchestra. Simple. 
to kids from one to ninety-two. Although it's been said many times, many ways, Merry Christmas to Thank you, Joe. Thank you. It's lovely. Makes a wonderful gift for all of us. Your rendition of this Christmas song. All done up in a big red ribbon with sprigs of holly and bright ornaments. I'm overwhelmed at your beautifully gift-wrapped compliment. You're most cordial this evening, Bing. It was a little wordy, wasn't it? <laughs> but it's a night for cordiality, Joe, and close fellowship and fondness for one another. Now to present our guest singers for this auspicious evening, the St. Michael's Choir from London, England. Oh, we have imported carols tonight. Oh, imported, domestic, my dear, taped right mm. in jolly old England. You know me, nothing but the best. You are in an expansive mood this evening, aren't you? Oh, I go all the way. Got carried away, you know, by Christmas <laughs> like everyone else. But now to Christmas Eve in London. London is bobbled, bangled and bedecked with Christmas decoration. The Thames reflects tinsel and lights of many colors. Well, almost all of London, except in the city. Down on Threadneedle Street in Cornhill, all is darkness and silence. This is the financial district. In these cold, deserted canyons, warm lights glow from the windows ahead of us. Windows of an ancient edifice that is almost swallowed up by the big buildings. This is St. Michael's Church, whose choir, directed by Dr. Harold E. Dark, sings ding-dong, merrily on high. Thank you. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. It was wonderful to have the privilege of hearing from you tonight. 
And our thanks to Dr. Dark for his organ accompaniment. Say, uh, Edgar Bergen, just a minute here. Could I have a word with you? You certainly can. What's up? Well, it just occurs to me that you and I have something pretty much in common. You're, uh, you're a new father this year. <laughs> well, yes. Thank you for mentioning it, Bing. Yes, I am a new proud father this year. Stop taking bows, Bergen. Crosby's a new father every year. <laughs> now, just take it easy, Charlie. I'm not going to make a slip tonight. Don't worry about that. I wish every night were Christmas Eve. Oh, I couldn't stand the strain. I'd crack up sooner or later. <laughs> you know, next year, Bing, maybe we could have some of the new children on the show. I could bring along my son, Chris, to gurgle and coo, and you could bring your new son, Nathaniel, to make some sounds and gleeful utterances, you suppose? Yeah, now, what one? Now, wouldn't that make some wonderful duet? <laughs> Gee! <laughs> well, Bing, I don't know about Nathaniel, but... Certainly, Mary Frances and Tex would be ready for an appearance next year. You're brave. I think they could get up a carol, don't you think? <laughs> I don't know. Kids, kids, what do we need more kids on this show? You're not jealous of other children, are you, Charlie? Well, no, Mrs. Crosby. Uh, there's uh, not a jealous bone in my body. Now, just a moment, Charlie. If I recall correctly, you used to be quite jealous of your sister, Candy. Me jealous? You know, Bing, back when my little daughter, Candy, was about nine years old, I had a terrible time with Charlie. No, he was jealous of Candy? You wouldn't believe it. I remember that for her ninth birthday, I promised her she could come on my radio show with me. And Charlie flipped? Yes, he was no help to her, that's for sure. <laughs> I asked her to learn that wonderful Christmas poem the night before Christmas, and since Charlie was so upset about it, I told him he could learn it, too. And he and Candy could recite it in front of the audience. Well, that was very understanding, Edgar. Yes, it was more than that, Bing. With Charlie, it was self-defense. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll never forget what happened when Candy and Charlie finally stood up in front of that vast audience on Christmas Eve in 1955. Guys, I wish I could hear it. Oh, you can, Kenneth. You can indeed. This is Christmas. Miracles are yours for the asking on this night of nights. Uh, I'd need an audience, Bing. Oh, you'll have one, Edgar. The same one, in fact, that you had then. Oh, good. And stage with lights? Yeah. Look, Bing, I can almost see it. You can see it, Ken. Just use your imagination and listen very carefully to A Christmas Eve in 1955. And now, Charlie and Candy, remember, I asked both of you to learn that wonderful poem, The Night Before Christmas. Uh-huh. And, Charlie, did you memorize it? Well, I said, yeah, I, they, uh, yes, part of it. Part of it, yes. I've been sick a good deal, but I worked on it. Yes, I see. Which part? Uh, the title. Oh, the title, yes. <laughs> Daddy, I studied hard and memorized the whole thing. Why don't you get lost? Now, wait a <laughs> So you memorized the whole poem, Candy? Well, now, she may be young, but she's way beyond her years in intelligence. Yeah, I hate middle-aged kids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, I'll tell you, children, I'm going to give you each a very wonderful present if you will recite the poem right now on this program. Uh-huh. Yes. And you can take alternate lines. I think that will be interesting. Uh, you start it, Candy. Oh, of course. All right. T'was the night before Christmas, and all through the house. Yes. Charlie? Huh? Yes? Yeah. Well, oh, there's more? Y- yes. <laughs> hey, pal. Hey, buddy. Hey, kiddo. What's the next line? Not a creature was stirring. Yeah, 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 I got it, I got it. Not a creature was stirring. Not even a louse, nor a mouse. <laughs> Candy, my dear? The stockings were hung by the chimney with care. And the lead meter room could stand some fresh air. No. <laughs> uh, no. In hopes that Saint, Saint who? Saint Vitus, no, no. <laughs> Saint Bernard, no. 
St. Paul? No. <laughs> Minneapolis? No. no. <laughs> I'm on the wrong track. You certainly are. Well, I tried, gee whiz. Continue. The children were nestled, all snug in their bed. And shoot if you must, his old gray head. No. <laughs> Please, Charlie, think of me. Oh, bald head. No. <laughs> now, Charlie, you know the part about Santa Claus where he rides through the sky? Oh, yeah, yeah. He flies through the air with the greatest of ease, the jolly fat man with the red DVDs. <laughs> That is completely wrong. Well, few of us are perfect. Yes. Candy, will you help him out? When out on the lawn, there arose such a clatter, I sprung from my bed to see what was the matter. I tore open the shutter and threw up the, the sash. <laughs> <laughs> and now comes the reindeer. What about the reindeer? Yeah, what about them? Yeah. <laughs> what were their names? There were Dancer and Prancer. Yeah. Dancer, Prancer, Dandruff, and Blintzes. No, no. Thunder and Lightning. No. What did Santa say? You know, on Dancer, on Prancer. Oh, yeah. On Dancer, on Prancer. And what do you know? Prancer came in and paid two twenty to show. <laughs> candy. Not my little candy. <laughs> I taught her that. Yeah, I taught her that. You taught her that. Yes, yes. Well, it'd been better if you'd spent a little more time learning the poem instead. Don't you get it, Bergen? We both know the darn thing. Oh, you know it. Yeah. We were only teasing you, Daddy. I see. Well, you two are always thinking of some monkey business. Yeah, we're busy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you should have greater respect for your father. Why? Why? <laughs> well, I've been given a very rare talent. You have? Yes. Why do you hide it? No, I don't. <laughs> I I am a great ventriloquist. Oh. Yes, I am one of the few people in the world who can throw their voices. You see, I can throw my voice upstairs. I can throw my voice under the stage if I wish. Is that so? Yes. You mean like this, Daddy? Hello, Joe, you down there? You, you, what do you want, Candy? <laughs> oh, no, not you, Joe. <laughs> Ah, oh, yes, that brings back a lot of memories. Yes, memories of the time when everyone in America planned their Sunday afternoon around Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy. That was a warm experience, Edgar, and thank you for bringing it to us. Now, if I may, I'll join the Norman Luboff Choir and Paul Weston and the orchestra in Jingle Bells. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh Jingle, jingle, jingle through the snow in a one-horse open sleigh o'er the fields we go laughing all the way bells and bobtail ring making spirits bright what fun it is to ride and sing a sleighing song tonight hey jingle bell jingle bell jingle all the way oh what fun it is to ride in 
and in a one-horse open sleigh. Hey, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Jingle, 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 jingle. Ah, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Well, I think that was real great. I'll tell you, I'll bet kids throughout our whole vast audience loved that. Oh, just the children? Oh, I mean the grown-up children like us, too. You mean everybody enjoyed it. Is that it, Ken? Well, yes, Bing, if you insist. I do indeed. You know how touchy I am about jingle bells. I I think everybody ought to like that. Oh, come on now, Bing. You don't fool me for a second. I don't? No. You like to act touchy and petulant sometimes. Petulant? Yeah, but even without the white beard, you're a Santa Claus at heart. You found me out. Yes, sir. <laughs> come to think of it, there are plenty of other Santa Clauses, but you have to know how to recognize them. Usually, they don't sport white beards, either. They almost never sport a red suit, and they work almost all the time, not just Christmas Eve. That's interesting, Ken. How many would you say there were? Mm, at last count, I should say upwards of 20,000. Oh, a goodly company, I might say. Very goodly. They're the independent agents and brokers who represent INA, and can usually be spotted by that big letter I posted in the windows or walls of their offices. Your neighbors who provide insurance protection in your community. You know, this is really their program, and a very nice Christmas gesture, if I may say so. Yes, and very Santa Clausish, too. Uh, true, Joe. And they have the same amazing capacity as Santa Claus for getting there when they're needed and wanted. Did it come down the chimney? <laughs> well, no, <laughs> not usually. They can pop in the door just as quickly. I guess that's just as good. That sure is. Joe, how many families do you suppose are waiting for Santa Claus tonight? Oh, my goodness, I have no idea. Oh, me either. And in the same way, it would be impossible to guess how many families this evening are having a happier Christmas simply because sometime during the past year, an INA agent, exactly the same as Santa Claus, came around at the right time. Well, I know a lot of people out my way who couldn't agree more, <laughs> especially after that fire last month. Well, you can always depend on an INA agent to come a-running when you need him. He may not arrive on a reindeer sled, but he'll be there and quick to help you any way he can. Wise words, Ken. Very sage. But now, according to my watch, time's drawn to a close. One more Christmas Eve added to our long list of get-togethers, friends. So will you all join me on our closing selection? And to me, it's the most fitting song of all to celebrate the festival of the birth of Christ. Silent night, holy night, oh. Tender 
I'd like to thank you for dropping by to join us tonight on this seventh Christmas sing. It was very pleasant being. And thanks to all you nice friends and neighbors for dropping in to help us enjoy our annual sing. It's our way of wishing you and your family a Merry Christmas on behalf of the more than 20,000 agents and brokers who represent the insurance company of North America. From them, from Edgar, Joe, Catherine, Paul Weston, Norman Luboff, Rosemary Clooney, who I'm sure is with us in spirit... All the lads and lassies in the choir and the orchestra, and from yours truly, Bing Crosby, the best of everything tomorrow and in the new year. Now, just one last-minute thought in closing. One of, the, well, one of the Christmas quotes of the year, I think, comes from the London Daily Express. There's so little magic in the world. Let us encourage it in our children just as long as we can. We hope you enjoyed this seventh annual Christmas Sing with Bing and that you'll all have the merriest Christmas yet. Until next year, this is Ken Carpenter saying that Christmas Sing came to you from Hollywood and London, England. Written and produced by Sam Pierce and Bill Morrow. Directed by Myrtle McKenzie. And has been presented over the combined facilities of the CBS Radio Network and the Dominion Network of the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. And will be broadcast over the Armed Forces Radio Network and the Voice of America. Happy holidays to you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to I Love Old Time Radio with your host, Virtual Vinny.
now that we have our voices all warmed up, how about grabbing some hot cocoa and listening to the tale of Miracle on 34th Street from December 20th, 1948, presented by the Lux Radio Theater. Lux presents Hollywood. Lever Brothers Company, the makers of Lux Flakes, bring you the Lux Radio Theater, starring Maureen O'Hara, John Payne, and Edmund Gwen in Miracle on 34th Street. Ladies and gentlemen, your producer, Mr. William Keeley. Greetings from Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. Our Christmas present to you is the new Christmas classic of our time, Miracle on 34th Street. It's wrapped in a gay covering of laughter, tied with a bright ribbon of good humor, and decorated with the three sparkling stars of the 20th Century Fox picture, Reno O'Hara, John Payne, and Edmund Gwen. This is a wonderful story for the whole family, and perhaps some families may be gathered around a Christmas tree as they listen. Others will be putting up this happy sign of the season in a few days with lights and ornaments and the shining snow that can be made with Lux Flakes. Later, we'll tell you how to do this trick with Lux. But right now, it's curtain time for the play that proves there's a Santa Claus. Miracle on 34th Street, starring Maureen O'Hara as Doris, John Payne as Fred and Edmund Gwen in his Academy Award-winning performance as Chris Kingle. It's Thanksgiving Day in New York City. On a broad avenue adjoining Central Park, an annual event is being joyfully awaited. The spectacular parade presented by Macy's Department Store to herald in the Christmas season. Away from the crowd are two of Macy's public relations experts. He's simply wonderful, Mrs. Walker. Just look at him on that float. The most realistic Santa Claus we've ever had. Why, he didn't even need any padding, did he? Padding? Why, didn't you notice his tummy? So round, so firm, so fully packed. Well, now that everything's under control... Where on earth did you find him? I, I don't know. I, I just turned around and there he was. And to think that the man whose place he took was intoxicated. With a breath that would knock over a reindeer. Oh, just think if Mr. Macy had seen him. What if Mr. Gimble had seen him? Competition between our stores is tough enough. <laughs> well, the parade's starting. Let's stand at the curb. Not I, Mr. Shellhammer. I'm going home to relax. Anyway, I can see it from there. I live just around the corner. Oh, so you do. Well, I'll see you tomorrow, Mrs. Walker. And congratulations on finding the best Santa Claus in Macy's history. Certainly is a wonderful parade, Susan. Just look at that clown. Gosh, what a giant. Giant, Mr. Gailey? There are no such things as giants. Well, not now, maybe, but... In olden days, there's... Really, Mr. Gailey? And you a lawyer? Well, what about the giant that Jack killed? 
You know, Jack and the Beanstalk. Everybody knows that's a fairy tale. And I agree with my mother. Fairy tales are silly. Come in. Good afternoon. Oh, hello, Mother. I'm watching the parade. Mr. Gailey invited me. Hello, darling. Susie's told me quite a lot about you, Mrs. Walker. She told me quite a lot about you, too, the man in the front apartment. Well, this is all part of a plot, Mrs. Walker. I'm very fond of Susie, but I I also wanted to meet you. At least you're frank. Oh, don't even mention the name. Why not, Mother? Well, that Santa Claus you see is a last-minute substitute. But why? Oh, remember the way the janitor was last New Year's? Oh, my. Tight as an owl. I, um, I see Susan doesn't believe in Santa Claus either. That's right. She never has. Well, that's the end of the parade. Mother, I've been thinking... It's Thanksgiving, and there are only two of us. Couldn't we invite Mr. Gailey? Well, I... Oh, uh, please don't bother. I'll I'll just have a sandwich or something. But we have such a big turkey. Please, Mother, please. Well, well, I... Did I ask her all right, Mr. Gailey? Susie, shh. <laughs> you asked fine, Susan. Dinner's at three, Mr. Gailey. <laughs> Walker? Yes, Mr. Shellhammer. You made said you were Thanksgiving dinner, but I I just had to tell you. Your Santa Claus was stupendous. Well, thank you. Mr. Macy himself wants him to be our toy department Santa Claus. Oh, fine. Can you hire him? Oh, oh, oh I already have. Oh, he's a born salesman. I just feel it. Good. We'll talk about it in the morning. Thanks for calling, Mr. Shellhammer. <laughs> Here he is, Mr. Shellhammer. Here's Santa Claus. Oh, thank you, Alfred. Thank you. Good morning, Santa Claus. Good morning. Now, before you go to the toy department, here's a list of toys that we have to push. Huh? You know, things we're overstocked on. Now, you'll find that a great many children will be undecided as to what they want for Christmas. And when that happens, you immediately suggest one of these items. Do you understand? I certainly do. Fine, that's fine. Now, take the list, and Alfred here will show you to your throne in the toy department. And don't you forget, you're working for Macy's. Are you really Santa Claus? Why, of course I am. What do you want for Christmas, little boy? I want a fire engine with a real hose that squirts real wet water. And I won't do it in the house. I'll only do it in the backyard. I promise. And I promise you'll get your fire engine. You see, Mom? That's fine. That's just dandy. You wait here, Mortimer. Mama wants to thank Santa Claus, too. Yes, madam? So what's the matter with you? No, no, no. What's the trouble? I told you before, didn't I? The kid wants a fire engine, but there isn't one to be had anywhere in town. Macy's ain't got any. Gimbal's ain't got any. Nobody's got any. My feet are killing me, and you say, okay, he gets the fire engine. But you can get those fire engines at Schoenfeld's, Lexington Avenue. Only four fifty. a wonderful bargain. Schoenfeld? Yes. Hey, I, I don't get it. Oh, I follow the toy market very closely. Macy's sending people to other stores? Yes. Are you kidding? <laughs> the one important thing is to make the children happy. Whether Macy's or somebody else sells the toy doesn't matter. Oh, don't you feel that way? Who, me? Yes. Oh, yes, yeah, sure. Only I didn't know Macy's did. Hmm? I don't get it. I just don't get it. Uh, who's next, please? Right this way to see Santa Claus. 
All right, little girl. You're next. Of course, little girl. You want some roller skates? Well, you shall have them, too. Mama! Mama, he's going to bring me some roller skates. And he has some fine skates here at Macy's, haven't you, Santa Claus? Oh, they're good skates, all right, but, but not quite good enough. Now, I left some really wonderful roller skates at Gimbal's. I'm sure Gimbal's have just what this good little girl wants. Mr. Shellhammer, are you Mr. Shellhammer? Uh, Gimbal's? Gimbal's? That's just what he did say, Gimbal's. Uh, the sales lady said I should speak to you. Gimbal's. I just wanted to congratulate you and Macy's on this wonderful new stunt you're pulling. Gimbal's. Imagine a big outfit like Macy's putting the spirit of Christmas ahead of the commercial. Gimbal's. From now on, I'm going to be a regular Macy customer. All right, Mortimer, we're going. Gimbal's! toy department over there, Mr. Gailey. You certainly know all about Macy's store, don't you, Susan? Well, that's because my mother works here. But I still think it's silly, bringing me here to see Santa Claus. Well, I just feel that when you've talked to okay, him, you might... Okay, Mr. Gailey. I'm certainly willing to try. Well, well, what a fine young lady, eh? What's your name, little girl? Susan Walker. What's yours? Mine? Chris Kringle. I'm Santa Claus. Oh, you don't believe that, eh? Uh-uh. You see, my mother's Mrs. Walker. Oh, 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 But I must say you're the best-looking Santa Claus I've ever seen. Really? Your beard, for instance. It doesn't have one of those things that goes over your ears. <laughs> That's because it's real. Just oh. like I'm really Santa Claus. Now, go ahead. Pull it. Oh, my... My goodness, it is real. <laughs> yes, yeah. And now, what would you like me to bring you for Christmas? Nothing, thank you. Whatever I want, my mother will get. If it's sensible and doesn't cost too much. That's quite right, Susan. Oh, hello, Mother. Hello, Walker. Mr. Gailey. Hello. Um, the explanation for all this is very simple. Your maid's mother sprained her ankle. She had to go home, so she asked me to bring Susie down to you. And as long as we were here, I, I figured we might as well say hello to Santa Claus. He has real whiskers, Mother. Susan, would you mind standing over there a minute? If you want me to. I, um... I shouldn't have brought Susie to see Santa, is that it? Now you're making me feel completely heartless. I'm sorry. Don't you see? I tell Susan that Santa Claus is a myth. And you sure are a very convincing old man with real whiskers. Well, whom is she to believe? Yeah, that's right, isn't it? When Susan was a baby, her father and I were divorced. And ever since then, I've protected my child by teaching her realities. If you don't believe in fairy tales and fantasy... You can never be hurt or disillusioned. We were talking about Susie, Mrs. Walker. And I must ask you to let me raise her as I see fit. All right, dear. The store's going to close soon. We'll run along to my office. Alfred said you wanted to see me, Mrs. Walker. Oh, um... Oh, yes. Come in. I, um... Uh... I'd be grateful if you would please tell Susan that you're not really Santa Claus, that there actually is no such person. Oh, but Mrs. Walker, not only is there such a person, but here I am to prove it. No, 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 you misunderstand. I, I want you to tell her the truth. Now, um, what's your real name? Chris Kringle, and I always tell the truth. Susan, I'll bet you're in the first grade. Second grade. I mean your real name. Well, that is my real name. My goodness, the second grade? Very well. I have your employment card right here. I'll look it up on that. Mm, 
That's a very cute dress you have on, Susan. It's from Macy's. We get 10% off. Oh. So, <clears throat> you always tell the truth, do you? Mm-hmm. Look at your employment card. Name, Chris Kringle. Address, Brooks Memorial Home, Great Neck, Long Island. You may call the home if you'd care to confirm that, Mrs. Walker. It's a home for elderly gentlemen. Would you also like me to confirm this? What's that? Date of birth. As old as my tongue and a little bit older than my teeth. <laughs> Place of birth. North Pole. <clears throat> now, really. Why, I believe you doubt me, Mrs. Walker. And this tops everything. Next of kin. Oh, that. Dasher, dancer, prancer, and vixen. <laughs> I'm sorry to have to do this, Mr. Um, uh, um, Kringle. But the, uh, the Santa Claus that we had two years ago is back in town, and I feel that we owe it to him to... Uh, what, have I done something wrong? Uh, no, 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 it's, it's just that we feel... Uh, oh, excuse me. Hello? Uh, this is Mr. Shellhammer, Mrs. Walker. Drop whatever you're doing. Mr. Macy wants to see us immediately. Oh, I'll be right up. Um, I'm afraid I'll have to be very abrupt with you. I have to see Mr. Macy. You'll be paid for the full week, Mr. Kringle, and uh, I'll send your check to that address. Come right in, Mrs. Walker, Mr. Shellhammer. Thank you, Mr. Macy. Now, about this new policy you two initiated. Uh, oh. Macy's Santa Claus sending customers to Gimble. Well, I, I, I can explain everything, Mr. Macy. You don't have to explain a thing. Just look at my desk. Forty-two telegrams and over 500 phone calls. Grateful parents expressing undying gratitude to Macy's department store. Why, you... You don't say. From now on, not only will our Santa Claus continue in this manner, but every salesperson in the entire store. You mean that if we haven't got what the customer asks for, we're to... We're to send him where he can get it. No high-pressuring and forcing a customer to take something he doesn't really want. I think that's wonderful, Mr. Macy. Why, we'll be known as, uh, as the helpful store, the friendly store, the store that places public service ahead of profits. And consequently, we will make more profits than ever. <laughs> As for you, Mrs. Walker and Mr. Shellhammer, you'll find a more practical expression of my gratitude in your Christmas envelope. Oh, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Yes. And tell that wonderful Santa Claus I won't forget him either. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I'll tell him myself in the morning. Uh, yes, indeed, Mr. Macy. <laughs> Good night. Good night. Good night, Mr. Macy. And thank you again, sir. Oh, imagine a bonus... Yes. Well, what's the matter with you? Mr. Shellhammer, I just fired him. Who? Santa Claus. No, 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 you couldn't have. But I did. He, he's crazy, Mr. Shellhammer. He really thinks he is Santa Claus. I don't care if he thinks he, he's the Easter Bunny. Find him. <laughs> Act two of Miracle on 34th Street will continue in a moment. Well, Libby, have you given Santa your Christmas list? Yes, indeed, John. And number one on my list is a pair of Chinese pajamas with a three-quarter coat and little upstanding collar. Just like the ones Mata Torin wears in Rogue's Regiment. Perhaps you'd better have the wardrobe mistress of Universal International show Santa what you mean. Well, I'm sure Dick Powell or Stephen McNally could give him a good description. They found Marta very glamorous in this modern story of the French Foreign Legion. And what a villain Vincent Price is in Rogue's Regiment. Mm -hmm. I was on the edge of my seat through the whole picture. And you talk about a pair of pajamas. <laughs> well, they were very special. Marta liked them so well, she had four pairs made for her personal wardrobe. And she was delighted when they told her she could lux them. 
That's about the easiest care in the world. Especially now with the new tiny diamonds of Lux. Another triumph of the famous Lever Laboratories. These tiny diamonds are so much faster, they burst into suds the instant water touches them. And make wonderfully rich suds that last and last. Don't colors look marvelous when they're luxed? So fresh and new. No wonder smart girls say they won't risk wrong washing methods. Tests prove that with gentle care with Lux Flakes really makes a difference. Lux slips and 90s stayed new looking three times as long. And that's just like getting three pretty slips for the price of one. A really thoughtful Santa would put a box of Lux Flakes in every lingerie gift next Friday night. Here's our producer, Mr. William Keeley. Act two of Miracle on 34th Street, starring Maureen O'Hara as Doris, John Payne as Fred, and Edmund Gwen as Chris Kringle. It was a frantic few hours that Doris spent last night, rushing out to the Brooks Memorial Home in Long Island and assuring Chris Kringle that Macy's wanted him back as Santa Claus. Now Chris is again presiding over the crowded toy department, while in her office, Doris and Mr. Shellhammer... Don't you understand, Mr. Shellhammer? That old man with the nice white whiskers insists that he is Santa Claus. Why, he's out of his mind. What if he should have a... A fit or something. Oh, no, I've got to tell Mr. Macy. Yes, but maybe he's only a little crazy. Anyway, you can't be sure until he's examined. We'll send him to Mr. Sawyer. Sawyer? In personnel. He's paid to examine employees, isn't he? And now, by the way, <laughs> what do you think of this? What is it? A full-page ad. Macy's is running in tomorrow's newspapers. Macy's is running it? But it's all about the other stores, Gimbel's and Snacks I know, and... I know. Mr. Macy's idea to help our customers find what they want. It's revolting, isn't it? That Santa Claus certainly has started something. Oh, well. I'll get a hold of him in his lunch hour and send him up to Mr. Sawyer. So I changed my clothes, Mr. Sawyer, and came right up. Oh, well, then that's your own beard, huh? Oh, yes, yes. Mm. Interesting complex in back of that. Why do you carry a cane? Always carry a cane, Mr. Sawyer. Well, that is when I wear street clothes. Hmm. I carved this cane out of a runner from one of my old sleighs. What's that? What's that? With a fine, solid silver top. <clears throat> who was the first president of the United States? Oh? Oh, give me a difficult one. <laughs> like, who was... Who was vice president under James Monroe? I'm conducting this examination. The answer is Daniel D. Tomkins. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. You're a... You're a rather nervous man, aren't you, Mr. Sawyer? Hmm? <laughs> Tell me, do you, um... Do you get enough sleep? My personal habits are no concern of yours. Now, what hand am I holding up? Right hand. How many fingers do you see? Three. Oh, dear, oh, dear. You bite your nails, too. Oh, <laughs> Stand up now. Feet together. Arms extended. Muscular coordination tests? I've taken dozens of these tests. Mr. Sawyer, are you happy at home? What? That will be all, Mr. Kringle. The examination is over. Thank you. Yeah, and it may interest you to know I've been happily married for 22 years. Very happily married. Delighted to hear it. Goodbye, uh, Mr. Sawyer. Miss Pond. Yes, sir. Get Mrs. Walker on the phone. Yes, sir. But your wife, Mr. Sawyer, she's called four times already. Well, you tell my big fat wife to shut up and mind her own business. 
Here's Mrs. Walker, sir. Uh, all right. <clears throat> Hello. Oh, I, w- I was just going to call you, Mr. Sawyer. Oh? There's a Dr. Pierce stopping by this afternoon at three. Who's Dr. Pierce? He's the physician at the Brooks home. I thought we might discuss Mr. Kringle's case with him. Uh, oh, there's hardly any point in discussing it, Mrs. Walker. Obviously, the old man should be discharged. <laughs> Dr. Pierce, Kringle should be dismissed immediately and sent to a mental institution. Oh, now, just a minute, Mr. Sawyer. Ah, he's deluded saying that he's Santa Claus. It's a delusion for good. I found he only wants to be friendly and helpful. Uh, His whole manner suggests aggressiveness. Look at the way he carries that cane. Mrs. Walker, naturally, I can't discharge that loony, so when he exhibits his maniacal tendencies, please realize the responsibility is completely yours. Well, I'm right back where I started. Mrs. Walker, I assure you, Chris Kringle has no maniacal tendency. But if there's the slightest possibility of us causing any trouble... What trouble? All that needs happen is a policeman ask his name. Chris Kringle, clang, clang, and Macy Santa Claus lands up in the psychopathic ward. Well, you can prevent that very simply. Now, there must be someone here at the store who could rent him a room. Then they could both come to work together. I just as soon he avoided that long train ride to Long Island anyway. You mean sort of take custody of him? Mm-hmm. Do you think that Mr. Kringle would agree to that? Oh, I'm sure he'll agree. Well, in, in that case... Uh... Now, let me see. Who do I know who could rent him a room? you're going to have dinner with us, Mr. Kringle. Oh, thank you, Susan. I'm also very glad you're going to live next door with Mr. Gailey. Oh, why? Because you're nice to talk to. Oh, <laughs> I say, what a fine young man that Mr. Gailey is, eh? Just think, allowing me to share his apartment, a mere stranger. He did it because Mother hinted to him. Oh, well, anyway, I'm very grateful. Shall I tell you what I did in school today? Oh, by all means. Any games? Yes. And a very silly game, too. Oh? They played zoo, and each child was supposed to be an animal. Oh, but Susan, they were just pretending. But that's what makes the game so silly. Oh. Well, of course, in order to play games, you need imagination. Oh, uh, that's when you see things, but they're not really there, huh? Oh, yes. Yes, but, you know, to me, imagination is a place all by itself. Now, you've heard of the French nation. Mm-hmm. Hmm? And the British nation. Yes. Well, this is the imagination. (laughs) A very interesting place, too. Now, how would you like to be able to make snowballs in summertime, eh? What? Or be the Statue of Liberty in the morning, and in the afternoon, fly south with a flock of geese? Well, I'm quite sure I'd like it, but... Oh, it's very simple. Very. Well, anyway, look here. The next time they play zoo, you can be a monkey. But I don't know how to be a monkey. Don't you? Oh, I'll show you. Now, first, you bend over a little, like uh, like this, see? Now, let your arms hang loose, see? Like this? Yeah, that's fine, fine. Now, put your hand over here and start scratching, see? Yeah. That's it. That's it. That's excellent, Susan. That's as fine a bit of scratching as I've ever seen. Yeah. Now, now you start chattering. Chattering? Yes, now listen. See? And keep scratching. Now then, look here. We'll do it together, see? Chatter and scratch and scratch and chatter, see? 
Yes, that's fine, Susan. Fine. You're doing beautifully. Beautifully. Yes. <laughs> Susan. Susan. Are you still awake? Uh-huh. I've uh, just come in to say goodnight, Susan, that's all. Now, look here. About Christmas. There must be something you'd like for Christmas. Well... I've certainly thought about something, Mr. Kringle. You have? Well, what is it, eh? Tell me. It's right here on the night table, see? Oh. I tore this page out of a magazine. It's a picture of a house. Oh, that's what you want, is it? A doll's house. Colonial architecture. Oh, not a doll's house, a real house. A real house? Yes. And if you're really Santa Claus, you can get it for me. Now, 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 wait a minute, Susie. <laughs> What could you possibly do with a big house? Live in it with my mother. And a backyard with a big tree to put a swing on. And a garden. And a... Oh, well. Why even discuss it? Susie. Susie, could I, uh... Could I keep this picture? Just, uh... Just in case? I guess so. Thank you, dear. Thank you. Well, Mr. Gailey is waiting for me. Good night, monkey. Good night, Mr. Kringle. Take whichever bed you want, Mr. Kringle. You're very kind, really. Uh, tell me, Mr. Gailey, what is it you just do for a living, eh? Oh, I'm a lawyer. Haslip, Haslip, Sherman, and Mackenzie. Oh. Hmm. And you, uh, you like living here in the city? Well, it's convenient. But someday I'd like to get a place on Long Island. Huh. Not a big house, just one of those junior partner deals around Manhasset. Oh, one of those little colonial houses, eh? Yeah. 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 A little colonial house would be swell. Good. Good, yes. You're, um, <clears throat> you're quite fond of Mrs. Walker, aren't you? <laughs> a lot of good it does me. She lives in a cast iron shell that's just a little difficult to penetrate. Oh. Well, you must try a little harder, Mr. Gailey. You know, Mrs. Walker and that child are a couple of lost souls. And it's up to us to help them, see? No. Yes, yeah, she... Oh, well, shall I turn out the light? No, 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 no. no. I'm not going to be cheated out of this. You know, all my life I've wondered about it, and now I'm going to find out. Tell me, does Santa Claus sleep with his whiskers outside or inside the cupboard? <laughs> oh, outside, of course. Outside, by all means. The cold air makes them grow. Oh, thank you very much. Oh, uh, come in, Mrs. Walker. Come in. Thank you, Mr. Macy. I've just heard something very exciting. You have? Well, let me tell you something very exciting. Our policy of being kind to customers has tripled our sales. Now, what do you think of that? That's wonderful, Mr. Macy. And Gimbel's thinks it's wonderful, too. Gimbals? Gimbals are adopting the same policy. Well, is that so? And it gives me an idea. As long as Gimbals are doing the same thing, why not some pictures for the newspapers? Uh, pictures? Yes. You and Mr. Gimble shaking hands. Shaking hands? R.H. Macy and... and Gimble? Well... well, yes. Yes, yes, why not? With Santa Claus. It's a great idea, Mrs. Walker. Macy and Gimbel shaking hands. 
Smile. Oh, that, that's enough pictures, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, Mr. Gimble? Come on, R.H. Now we'll go over to my store and get some really good pictures. Oh, just a minute. I have something here for Santa Claus. Here you are, Mr. Kringle. A check in appreciation of all you've done. Mr. Macy, why, that's most kind of you. I didn't think you were that generous, R.H. That's quite a check. What are you going to do with it, Mr. Kringle? Well, I have a friend, a Dr. Pierce. He needs a new x-ray machine. You buy the machine through the store. 10% discount. Nonsense. Come over to Gimbel's. We'll furnish it at cost. Oh, keep it up, gentlemen. Keep it up. At this rate, my friend will have a whole new hospital. <laughs> How did the pictures turn out, Mr. Kringle? Oh, fine, Alfred, fine. How about a game of checkers during lunch, eh? Oh, not today, Chris. I I don't feel so good. Oh? What's the matter, Alfred? Oh, nothing much. You remember I was telling you how I like to play Santa Claus over at the Y and give out packages to the kids? Yeah. Well, I was telling Mr. Sawyer about it, and he says that's very bad. That psychologically it's all wrong. Wrong? To be nice to children? Well, he says guys who play Santa Claus do it because when they was young, they must have done something bad. Now they do something they think is good to make up for it, see? It's what he calls a guilt complex. Alfred, what else has he found wrong with you? Oh, nothing much. Just that I hate my father. <laughs> I didn't know it, but he says I do. Excuse me. Hey, ain't you going to have lunch? Later. Right now, I have an appointment with Mr. Sawyer. mean breaking into my office like this? Are you a licensed psychiatrist? What business is it of yours? I have great respect for psychiatry and great contempt for meddling amateurs who go around practicing it. Oh, shut up. You ought to be horsewhipped. Taking a boy like Alfred and filling him up with complexes and phobias... I think I'm better equipped to judge that than you. Just because Alfred wants to be kind to children, you tell him he has a guilt complex. (laughs) Having the same delusion, you couldn't possibly understand. And don't you wave that cane at me. Either you stop analyzing Alfred, or I'll go straight to Mr. Macy and tell him what a contemptible fraud you are. Get out of here. Get out of here before I have you thrown out. There's only one way to handle a man like you. Maybe this will knock some sense into you. Oh, help! Oh, my head! My head! Oh! Good day, Mr. Sawyer. Miss Prawn! Get me the police! Get me Mrs. Walker! Get me the psychopathic ward in Bellevue Hospital! You can see Mr. Kringle now, Mr. Gailey. Thank you, nurse. Hello, Chris. Hello, Fred. Chris, I've been speaking to the doctors. They said they've given you some tests. Oh, yes. Same old tests. Except this time you failed to pass them. Chris, you deliberately failed. Why? Why? Well, because I had great hopes, Fred. I had a feeling Mrs. Walker was beginning to believe in me. And now... Well, now I discover she was only humoring me all the time. But this wasn't Doris's idea at all. Mr. Sawyer had you sent up here before she even knew about it. But why... Why didn't she come to me and explain things? Because she didn't want to hurt you. Oh, well, it's not just Mrs. Walker. It's... Well, now, take Mr. Sawyer. He's contemptible, dishonest, deceitful. Yet he's out there and I'm in here. Well, if that's normal, I don't want it. But you can't just think of yourself, Chris. What happens to you matters to a lot of other people. People like me who believe in what you stand for and people like, well, like Susie, who are just beginning to. Chris, you're letting us down. I... 
Well, Fred may be all right. I... Well, of course you're right. I ought to be ashamed of myself. Let's get out of here. Now, wait a minute. You flunked your mental examination, but good. Oh, yes. So I did. Oh. Well, well, anyway, you're a lawyer. You fix it. Hey, look, I can't just... Now, I won't let you down, and you won't let me down. Chris, now take it easy. Look, there'll have to be a hearing. If you're going to be committed, it has to be before a judge. Well? Well, if I can do anything at all, it'll have to be in courtroom. Now, sit tight, Chris. I'll get an idea. I have to get an idea. <laughs> Sent for me, Mr. Mason. I certainly did, Mr. Sawyer. I brought my family to the toy department to see our Santa Claus, and our Santa Claus isn't there. He's in Bellevue. Yes, Mr. Mason. Because he's a lunatic. Yes, sir. A l- lunatic. <coughs> lunatic, my foot. Now you listen to me, Sawyer. You get that case dropped right away, or you'll have another lump to match the one he gave you. But it's out of my hands. Mr. Kringle goes to court in the morning. Well, just see that he's back in the toy department by afternoon. Now, get out of here. Oh, Mr. Gailey. Uh, Mr. Gailey. Yes? I've been looking all over for you. I'm Mr. <clears throat> Sawyer. Oh, so you're Sawyer. Yes. I, uh, I was just speaking to the court clerk, and he said you represent Mr. Kringle. <clears throat> well, I represent Mr. Macy. Well, then I'll see you in court. Oh, no. Uh, uh, that's what I wanted to speak to you about. Now, Mr. Macy would like to drop the whole case right now. You see, we're most anxious to avoid any publicity. No publicity, oh. huh? Well, that's very interesting. Oh, then you'll cooperate? You know something, Sawyer? You've just given me the idea I've been searching for. Oh, good, good. If I'm going to win this case, I'm going to have to have public opinion and plenty of it. And publicity's just the way to do it. Thanks. And uh, so long, Mr. Sawyer. Uh, Mr. Gailey? But Mr. Gailey! <laughs> Look at these newspapers, Chris. Here. Huh? Evening Dispatch. Doctors doubt sanity of Santa who launched goodwill campaign. Oh, my. Daily Bulletin. Macy's Santa Claus to have lunacy hearing. Oh. What's this one? The New York Express. Is Chris Kringle crazy? Court case coming. Kiddies cry calamity. <laughs> You've driven the United Nations clear back to page five. Well, get a good night's sleep, Chris. We go before Judge Harper at 10 tomorrow morning. We pause now for station identification. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Our stars will return with Act Three of Miracle on 34th Street in a moment. When a new player signs a contract with 20th Century Fox, she soon gets well acquainted with Miss Helena Sorrell, head dramatic coach. Helena, do you like to watch your pupils perform in the picture? Oh, of course, John, because I take a personal interest in them. I'm especially proud of Betty Grable and her new picture, When My Baby Smiles at Me. Betty's become a really fine dramatic actress. She certainly has. She and Dan Daly are magnificent as a couple of vaudeville hoofers. And Betty's costumes in When My Baby Smiles at Me gave me a thrill. And I was amazed how many things the wardrobe department washed with Lux Flakes. 
It reminded me of my theatrical days when I was on the road and lived in a couple of trunks. A box of Lux Flakes in each? That's absolutely true, John. I was never without it, in my hotel or at the theater. Well, then, you, you've probably discovered that the new tiny diamonds of Lux are more wonderful than ever. They're so much faster and richer. Do more for you, too. They remove soil which other types of suds can't. Leave things cleaner, fresher. And Lux Flakes keep colors lovely. You're right there. That's why it's foolish to risk wrong washing methods that may fade colors. Actual tests show that with gentle Lux Flakes care, colors stay lovely up to three times as long. That's a good tip for girls who get nice blouses and sweaters for Christmas. Right you are. And thank you for coming tonight, Helena Sorrell. We return you now to William Keeley. And the curtain rises on the third act of Miracle on 34th Street, starring Maureen O'Hara as Doris... John Payne as Fred, and Edmund Gwen as Chris. For a few weeks, a jolly elderly gentleman named Chris Kringle has been working minor miracles as Macy's Santa Claus. But now his sanity has been seriously questioned. And in a crowded courtroom, Judge Harper listens patiently as the assistant district attorney summons Chris to the witness stand. Now, uh, this is not a trial, Mr. Kringle. It's just a hearing, so you don't have to answer any questions. <clears throat> now then, uh, where do you live, please? Well, it seems to me that's what this hearing will decide, won't it? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Kringle, do you believe that you are Santa Claus? Of course I do. That's all, Your Honor. The state rests its case. Well, Mr. Gailey? Your Honor, Mr. Mara contends my client is not sane because he believes he is Santa Claus. An entirely logical conclusion. Anyone who thinks he's Santa Claus is crazy. Your Honor, you believe yourself to be Judge Harper. Yet no one questions your sanity because you are Judge Harper, do they? Mr. Kringle is the subject of this sanity hearing, not I. Well, Your Honor, I intend to prove that Mr. Kringle is Santa Claus. Mr. Mara. I thought you said this was a cut-and-dried sanity hearing. Well, I thought it was, Your Honor. <clears throat> In view of Mr. Gailey's statement, I'll have to review the entire background of this case. Court's adjourned till tomorrow morning. Hello, Doris. I'm sorry I'm late, but get ready. We're really going to celebrate tonight. What are we celebrating? Well, didn't you read the papers? Santa's mouthpiece throws bombshell on New York Supreme Court. Oh, Fred, you're not really serious about this. You can't possibly prove that Chris Kringle is Santa Claus. Well, you saw Mr. Macy and Mr. Gimble shake hands. That wasn't possible either. What does your firm have to say about it? Hayslip and Mackenzie and, and the rest of them? That I've uh, jeopardized their prestige, and either I drop this impossible case or they'll drop me. You see? So I beat them to it. I quit. Fred! You threw away a career because of a sentimental whim? Well, I'll open my own office. And what kind of clients will you get? Oh, probably a lot of people like Chris who are being pushed around. That's the only fun in law anyway. Doris, look. Don't you have any faith in me at all? No, it's not a question of faith. It's, it's just common sense. But faith is believing in things when common sense tells you not to. It's not just Chris that's on trial. It's everything he stands for. Human kindness and love oh, and dignity. Oh, Fred, listen. We've seen a lot of each other the last couple of weeks. I, well, I've become fond of you. We've talked about some wonderful plans, haven't we? And then you do this. Go on an idealistic binge, throw away your security, and expect me to be happy about it. And I expect too much. 
Is that it? Well, that's that, I guess. Good night, Doris. Hello. Yes, this is Mr. Merrill. Well, can't it wait till tomorrow? I'm eating din... Who's been subpoenaed? Well, how do you think I feel about it? I'll see you tomorrow. Who's that, dear? R.H. Macy's been subpoenaed. Oh, my. Those reporters. They make me look like a sadistic monster who likes nothing better than to drown pussycats and tear wings off butterflies. Quiet, dear. Tommy's still awake. Oh, oh, yeah. Did it... It'd just break his heart if he knew what his daddy is doing. I'm doing my job as assistant district attorney. Well, I'm not so sure, but, I, but that I agree with them. Mr. Kringle looks like a very nice old man, and I don't see why you have to keep persecuting him. I'm not persecuting him. I'm prosecuting him. <laughs> I like the old man, too, but, but there's nothing I can do about it. You know something, Thomas? Sometimes I wish I'd married a butcher or a plumber. Well, if I lose this case, it's very possible you'll get your wish. <laughs> R.H. Macy, I, I wonder what he's going to pull tomorrow. Proceed with the witness, Mr. Gailey. Now then, Mr. Macy, if you recognize the defendant, please tell us who he is. Why, Chris Kringle, of course. Do you believe him to be of sound mind? Sound mind? I wish I had a dozen like him. Mr. Macy, you are under oath. Do you believe that man is Santa Claus? Well, now, that's a rather delicate... Uh... Just think of those headlines tomorrow. Macy admits his Santa Claus is fraud. You keep out of this, Gimble. What did you say? Yo, oh, oh, oh. No, nothing, Mr. Barber, nothing. Well, I wish you would. Is that man Santa Claus? Yes, in my opinion, he most certainly is. Your Honor, there is no such person as Santa Claus, and everybody knows it. Can you prove there isn't any? I won't even try I'll not waste the court's time with such childish nonsense. Your Honor, the prosecution requests an immediate ruling from this court. Is there or is there not a Santa Claus? Well, now, uh, I, uh... The court will take a short recess to consider the question. Hello, Henry. Why, Charlie, what are you doing here? Can't an old friend visit you in your chambers? And if you ask me, you never needed a friend like you do now. This Kringle case? Well, I certainly don't see what they're making such a fuss about. Henry, that's Santa Claus you've got out there. On trial for lunacy. This case is dynamite. And you're coming up for re-election soon. Charlie, you know what happened last night? Martha brought the grandchildren over. They... they wouldn't kiss Grandpa. They wouldn't even talk to me. Ah, see what I mean? If you rule there is no Santa Claus, you better start looking for that chicken farm right now. I'm a responsible judge. How can I seriously rule that there is a Santa Claus? Because of what happens if you don't. The kids read about it and they don't hang up their stockings. Now what happens to all the toys that are supposed to be in those stockings? Nobody buys them. The toy manufacturers have to lay off employees. By now you've got the AFL and the CIO against you. <laughs> yes, and they're going to say it with votes, see? Oh, and the department stores are going to love you, too. <laughs> yes, sir, Henry. And what about the Salvation Army? They got a Santa Claus on every street corner. They've taken a lot of money to help the poor. But go ahead, Henry. 
You go in there and rule there isn't any Santa Claus. But if you do, you can count on getting just two votes, your own and that district attorney's out there. One vote, Charlie. He, he's a Republican. <laughs> oh, well, let's get this over with. The, uh, the question of Santa Claus seems to be uh, largely a matter of opinion. The uh, tradition of American justice demands a broad and unprejudiced view of such a controversial matter. But, Your Honor... This court, therefore, intends to keep its mind open. We shall ask for evidence on either side. But the burden of proof clearly rests with my opponent. Can he produce any evidence to support his views? If Your Honor, please, I can. Will Thomas Mara please take the stand? Who, me? No. Thomas Mara, Jr. I believe he and his mother are both in court today. Hi, Hi. Tommy, do you believe in Santa Claus? I sure do. Gosh, he gave me a brand new sled last year. Now, um, what does Santa Claus look like, Tommy? Well, there he is, sitting right over there. Your Honor, I protest. Overruled. Tell me, Tommy, uh, why are you so sure there's a Santa Claus? Because my papa told me so, didn't you? <laughs> Thank you, Tommy. You can go back to your mother now. See you later, Papa. You certainly will. <laughs> your Honor. Don't forget, Santa Claus. This year I want a football helmet. Don't worry, Tommy. You will get it. Mr. Kringle, if you don't mind. I'm sorry, sir. Your Honor, the state of New York concedes the existence of a Santa Claus. But in so conceding, we demand that Mr. Gailey stop representing and presenting personal opinion as evidence. I insist he submit authoritative proof that Mr. Kringle here is the one and only Santa Claus. Well, Mr. Gailey, are you prepared to show that Mr. Kringle is Santa Claus on the basis of unprejudiced authority? Well, sir, no, not now. I, I need a little time. Why not now? Tomorrow, Your Honor. Very well. Court's adjourned till tomorrow morning. Whew. Oh, brother. <laughs> Susan, dear, finish your supper. But I can't, Mother. All those things they're saying in the newspapers about Mr. Kringle and Mr. Gailey. They're having this trial because he says he's Santa Claus. He's so, he's so kind and, and nice and jolly. He's not like anyone else I know. He must be Santa. You know something? I think perhaps you're right. Is Mr. Kringle sad now, Mother? I'm afraid he must be. Then I'll write him a letter. Maybe that'll make him feel better. I'll cheer him up. Oh, Postman, Postman. Yeah, lady? Would you mind taking this letter? Oh, sure, lady. We're going straight down to the post office now. Okay, Louie, take it away. What do you know, Louie? Another letter for Santa Claus. Hey, here's a new one. Instead of the North Pole, this kid's got it addressed to Chris Kringle, New York County Courthouse. Well, the kid's right. Huh? Oh, yeah, sure. They got him on trial down there. <laughs> he claims he's Santa Claus and the DA claims he's nuts. Hey, hmm? hey, I got an idea. Huh? How many Santa Claus letters we got down there in a the dead letter office? Oh, who knows? Must be 50,000 bags and bags all over the joint. Hey, 
Frankie. You mean? What Frankie? Why not? Wouldn't it be nice to get rid of them all? Wouldn't it? <laughs> boy, oh boy. Look, Louie, soon as we get to the post office, we go and see the supervisor. You know something? I bet we both get promoted. <laughs> defense has been unable to submit one shred of proof that Kris Kringle is the one and only Santa Claus, and since tonight is Christmas Eve, I ask your honor that this hearing be terminated without further delay. I protest I do have evidence. Five minutes ago you said you didn't. During Mr. Mara's oration, the bailiff handed my client the evidence I refer to. What evidence? This letter, your honor. Oh, yes, Mr. Kringle. It's from Susan Walker. She believes in me. Oh, this letter means more to me than... Anything in the world. That letter, Your Honor, was delivered by the United States Post Office, an official agency of the federal government. The Post Office Department was one of the largest business concerns in the world. Last year, did a gross volume of over $1 billion. Your and this year... Honor, I'm sure we're all gratified that the Post Office is getting along so well. <laughs> but what bearing has it on the sanity of that man? My point is that the Post Office Department is a model of efficiency. Furthermore, the laws of this country make it a criminal offense to willfully misdirect mail or intentionally deliver it to the wrong party. The state of New York is second to none in his admiration of the post office department. We're very happy to concede, Mr. Galis. Uh, for the record, Mr. Mara. For the record. Anything to get on with this case. Thank you. Your Honor, that letter just received by Mr. Kringle is positive proof that a competent... One letter is hardly positive proof. I have further exhibits, Your Honor, but I, I hesitate to produce them. Come, come, Mr. Gailey. Put them here on my desk. But, Your Honor, I, I don't... said put them on my desk. All right, boys, bring them in. Your, your Honor, what, what is this? Empty those mail sacks on Judge Harper's desk. Yeah, well, you... Well, but uh, bring them all in or be fined for contempt of court. Uh, no, no, just a second here. Uh, we'll do it, Your Honor, through rain, through sleet, through courtrooms, anything. We deliver. Uh, Mr. Gailey. Your Honor, every one of those letters and every one of those mail sacks is addressed to Santa Claus. The post office has delivered them. Therefore, the post office department recognizes Chris Kringle to be the one and only Santa Claus. Since the United States government declares this man to be Santa Claus, this court will not dispute it. Case dismissed. And for heaven's sake, get this mail out of my courtroom. So as soon as I got out of court, I came straight to Macy's to see you, Doris. Oh, Chris, I'm so glad you won. <sighs> well, we're having a big Christmas party at the Brooks' home tomorrow morning. I'd like so much to see you and Susan there. We'll be there, Chris. Oh, Chris, couldn't you, couldn't you come home now and have dinner with us? No. Tonight? Me? My goodness, Doris, it's... It's Christmas Eve. Alfred! Alfred! Look! Look who came all the way out here to the home, just for our Christmas party. Chris, it's... it's Mr. Macy! Mr. Gimble, too! Oh, excuse me, Alfred. Mrs. Walker and Susan have to leave now. I want to see them before they go. So forgive me, will you? But, Susie, darling, you've got so many presents. Not the one I wanted. Not the one Mr. Kringle was going to get for me. Well, what was it? It doesn't matter. I knew I wouldn't get it, but I thought he'd at least tell me why. Susie, 
I'm sorry, Susie. I tried my best, but... You couldn't get it because you're not Santa Claus. Susan. Just a nice old man like Mother said. But I was wrong when I told you that. You must believe in Mr. Kringle and keep right on doing it. You must have faith in him. But that doesn't make sense, Mother. Faith is believing in things when common sense tells you not to. What? I mean, just because things don't turn out the way you want them to the first time, you've still got to believe in people. I found that... Hello, Doris. Fred. Mr. Gailey, Mr. Gailey. Merry Christmas, Susie. Gosh, you'll just get here and we're ready to leave. Oh, I've been here. Oh. And if you're ready to leave, I'll drive you home. Before you go, here. Here's a map I've made for you. You'll miss a lot of traffic. About four miles south, you'll see Ashley Avenue. Now, that's the street you want. Ashley Avenue. Thanks, Chris. And Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, Fred. And to you, my dear. And to you, Susie. I believe, Mr. Kringle. I do. Silly, I suppose. But I do. I don't understand it, Fred. The map Chris gave definitely says Ashley Avenue. We've been on Ashley Avenue now for... Susie, what is it, darling? What's the matter? There it is! The house! The house! Susie! What in the world? She's running into that house. But at least there's no one home. It's, it's brand new. It's, it's just been built. Yeah, for sale, it says. For sale. What on earth is that child up to? Susie! Hey, Susie! Here I am! Upstairs! Now, come right down. You know you shouldn't run around in other people's houses. That's strange. I'll say. No, no. I mean this house. I've seen this house somewhere. I know I have. Maybe in a magazine or... Mother, it's our house. It's the one I asked him for, Mr. Kringle. Mr. Kringle? I know it is. Oh, you were right, Mommy. You were right. Susie. Mommy told me that if things didn't turn out just the way you wanted them at first, you've still got to believe, and I kept believing. And you were right, Mommy. Mr. Kringle is Santa Claus. Now where are you going? You told her that? About believing? Well, you told me, Fred. <laughs> A sign outside. For sale, huh? Well, we can't let her down, can we? I never really doubted you. It was just my silly common sense. <laughs> it even makes sense to believe in me now. I must be a pretty good lawyer. I take a little old man and legally prove to the world that he's Santa Claus. Now, you know that couldn't be... Fred! What's the matter? There... In the corner, by the fireplace. Oh, no. No. It, it can't be. It, it couldn't. A cane. Chris's cane. Well, there couldn't be two canes like this anywhere in the world. Silver handle and all. Hey, you know something? Maybe I didn't do such a wonderful thing after all. Before our stars return to their curtain calls, Libby Collins wants to tell you about the wonderful way to decorate your Christmas tree, as we promised at the opening of the show. You can give your tree that fresh-from-the-woods look by covering it with real-looking snow you make yourself from a box of Lux Flakes. So many people have asked for the Lux recipe for Christmas snow that we gave last week. We'll repeat it tonight. Listen carefully. 
Take a large box of Lux Flakes. Gradually add two cups of lukewarm water and beat with an egg beater until it has the consistency of thick whipped cream. Then with your fingers, spread the mixture over the branches of your tree. And that's all. This snowy covering dries quickly, it won't melt, and lasts as long as the tree. Ask your dealer for a copy of this Christmas snow recipe. I don't know of any other decoration that costs so little, yet does so much for your tree. It looks lovely used just with tree lights, or you can add your usual ornaments if you prefer. Try it on your mantle decorations and table arrangements, too. It gives them a very professional look. And makes the whole house look more Christmassy. Now, I'll repeat that recipe. Take a large box of Lux Flakes. Gradually add about two cups of lukewarm water and beat with an egg beater. While moist, spread the mixture along the branches. If you want extra glitter, shake on some shiny artificial snow before the mixture dries. Let the children help. They'll love doing it and love the snowy tree. Back now to our producer, William Keeley. Mr. Kringle's reindeer are waiting on the roof. But we've asked him to pause a moment before he leaves and come back to the footlights with Maureen O'Hara and John Payne. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it was a real thrill to everyone in Hollywood when Edmund Gwen topped his entire 53 years as an actor with his great performance as Chris Kringle. Thank you. Thank you very much, Bill. Everyone connected with Miracle on 34th Street... From George Seaton, the author-director, to the prop man, help me. They all believed in Santa Claus. How could we help it? I suppose you've got a strenuous time ahead, Chris. Yeah? Covering the entire world in one night. John, if everyone believed in Santa Claus, peace would break out all over the world in 30 seconds. I hope you won't be too busy to stop at my house. I'll have my stockings hung up. Oh, well, I'll stop in, Marine, but... Seems rather futile. Why, Chris? Well, I couldn't possibly fill her stocking as well as she does. I see what you mean. <laughs> Bill, after that, I think you'd better tell us all about next week's play. Next week, Maureen, a play straight from your native land. It's the 20th Century Fox picture, The Luck of the Irish. And the stars? Well, we have a superb cast. There's Dana Andrews, Anne Baxter, and Cecil Calloway. This is a delightful romance, presided over by a most mysterious leprechaun in the person of Cecil Kellaway. I know you'll all enjoy it. We'll be looking forward to it, Bill. And good night. Good night. Good night. Can I give anybody a lift in my sleigh? <laughs> good night and a merry, merry Christmas. Before we meet again in this theater, the most joyful day in the year will have come and gone. And there are, in our time, as in every time, a few foolish men who deride the spirit of Christmas. But in every country and in every time, they are overwhelmed by those who find in it the hope and happiness of the future. By those of us who believe in our hearts that there can be peace on this earth and goodwill among all men. On behalf of Lever Brothers Company and of us in the Lux Radio Theater, may I wish all of you the happiest of holidays.
And we invite you all to join us again next Monday evening when the Lux Radio Theater presents Dana Andrews, Ann Baxter, and Cecil Kellaway in The Luck of the Irish. This is William Keeley saying good night and Merry Christmas. Maureen O'Hara appeared through the courtesy of 20th Century Fox, producers of The Snake Pit, starring Olivia de Havilland and Mark Stevens. Edmund Gwen appeared by arrangement with Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, producers of the all-star Technicolor musical Words and Music, based on the lives and music of Rogers and Hart. John Payne will soon be seen in the Paramount picture El Paso. Be sure to listen next Monday night to the Lux Radio Theater presentation of The Luck of the Irish, starring Dana Andrews, Ann Baxter, and Cecil Kellaway. Stay tuned for My Friend Irma, which follows over these same stations. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to I Love Old Time Radio with your host, Virtual Vinny. Let's continue with that sense of wonder with a little piece for the kids. This piece aired, depending on the station, between November 26th and December 25th of 1937, and it's called The Cinnamon Bear in the Adventure of the Silver Star. And here's the Cinnamon Bear. Christmas is practically here, and Judy and Jimmy are still without their precious silver star. And unless they get it back in time to put on the very tip-top of their tree, Christmas just won't be Christmas, that's all. You remember that after Captain Tintop captured the star from the bad dolls, Santa Claus gave a grand banquet. The children were filled with excitement, and Patio Cinnamon was filled with cinnamon buns. Inasmuch as Santa was about to leave on his annual trip to the world, he offered to take the twins and Cinnamon Bear with him. And then the most terrible thing happened. Jimmy asked Crazy Quilt to hold the silver star while he climbed into the sleigh, and when he turned around, the dragon was gone. It's hard to believe that Jimmy's friend would do that, but such is the case. And right now, he's running as fast as his Crazy Quilt legs will carry him. Look at him go! Look at his flip! I knew that Crazy Quilt dragon would show his true colors. Oh, dear. It makes me want to cry. Well, we'll have to hurry if we want to catch him. Oh, Nicky, you and Jimmy unhook the trailers from the sleigh. 
We can go faster without them. All right, Santa. We're with you in a jiffy, Nicky. And I thought Crazy Quilt had reformed. Huh. Once a villain, always a villain. I don't understand why he'd do such a thing. How are you coming, boys? This is the last. There. Come on, Nicky. All right. Take my hand, Jimmy. Up you go. <laughs> are you in, Nicky? All set. Willikers, let's hurry. Hi, Donner. Hi, Blitzen. Hi. Well, a little more speed there, boys. Yeah, that's better. The rock. Just wait till I get me paws on that double-crossing dragon. I'm just awfully disappointed in Crazy Quill. Me too. Hey, tell me about this peculiar fellow. He seemed to be such a good friend of yours. And then to turn right around and make off with a silver star. You see, Santa, he's the one who stole it in the first place out of the big trunk in our attic. Well, well, that explains it. But how did he happen to become such a great friend of yours? Well, Cinnamon Bear helped us find him. And when he wouldn't give us a star, we yelled boo at him about a hundred times. And then he jumped into the root pier ocean and lost it. Oh, you should have seen him, Santa Claus. He came weeping through the breakers, vowing that he was a changed dragon, that he'd never do it again. Not much he wouldn't. Oh, then you think he was just pretending to be your friend, waiting for a good opportunity to steal the star again. Hmm? I just don't know, Santa. He saved us from the Inkaboos and stood by us through all our troubles. Hmm. And there were just lots and lots of times when he could have gotten away with a star easy as anything. I see. Well, it was probably just a case of too much temptation. Look, Santa Claus, I think we're gaining on him. We are at that, Jimmy. But, oh, my goodness. What's the matter? He's heading straight for the North Pole. Faster, Donner. Faster, Blitzen. Faster. Just as I thought. There he is, trying to climb up the North Pole. Come on, everybody. After him. We'll have to catch him before he gets up the pole, or we'll never get him. Why, Santa? Why, the Misty Folk live up there. They'd take him right in with them, and we'd never see Crazy Quilt or the Silver Star again. Oh, oh there. Oh, Dunner. Oh, Blitzen. Oh. Hey, What's the idea of stealing our star, Crazy Quilt? Why, hello, Jimmy Boyd. Fancy meeting you here. Uh, uh, what's all this yelling about the star? You know what about the star. You've got it. Oh, now, come, come. You must be mistaken, my little friend. Such a thing would never occur to me. Why, Crazy Quilt, you big storyteller. If you didn't steal it, why did you run away like that? Run away? But I didn't run away, Judy. Uh, I'm merely getting a bit of exercise. Trying out my new snowshoes. Oh, great sport. And I suppose you use snowshoes to climb the North Pole? And if so, where are they? Where are what? The snowshoes, you villain, the snowshoes. Oh, uh, they, uh, well, uh, I, uh, I just dropped them off to be half-soled. Oh, don't pay any attention to them, children. He's got the star all right. I can see it. It's sticking out of his hip pocket. I'm so ashamed of you, Crazy Quilt. After we trusted you and everything, we won't ever believe in you again. Oh, my friends, my dear, dear companions, don't talk like that. You'll make me feel... Oh, look, look, he slipped a bit. No, he's got hold again. Oh, can't any of you climb after him? If he reaches the top, we're lost. I know how to bring him down. Remember, Jimmy? We'll all yell boo at him. Oh, no, no, not that. Come on, everybody, now. One, two, three. Boo! 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 
you? All right, all right. Get in there, Nicky. All right, At last, I got you crazy, Quilt. And I'm feeling extra specially ferocious. Hurrah. Tickle him, Jimmy. Tickle him. Oh, my friends. To think I'll be beautiful for friendship should end like a... Oh, 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 my. Oh, no, no. Oh, he's turning over. Grab the star, Jimmy. I've got it, Daddy O'Cinnamon. I've got the silver star. Oh, you crazy quilt dragon. Thought you'd get away with it, huh? I'll teach you to trifle with cinnamon bears. Shake him up, children. Shake him up. Shake him up. Shake him up. Jimmy, tickle him good. Oh, that's all right, Judy. I've got the silver star. Children, what in the world are you doing? Get up off the floor. You're all tangled up in that old crazy quilt. Did you fall asleep? Oh, dear, I hope you didn't catch cold. Cold? It isn't cold, Mother. Not like it is in the snow country. Sure, it's a lot colder at the North Pole. What? Why, darling, are you ill? Have you got a fever? Let Mother feel your hands. You're talking so strangely. We're all right, Mother. We had a most elegant time. We sure did. The silver star was gone because the crazy quilt dragon stole it. But Santa Claus helped us catch him and get it back. Hmm. You don't seem to have any fever. Now hurry up, both of you. Daddy's home. Did he bring the Christmas tree? Yes, dear. And he wants you to come down and help him decorate it. My goodness, I wouldn't have let you come up here in the attic if I thought you'd go to sleep. But we didn't go to sleep, Mother. We went to Mabyland. Oh, Jimmy, look at poor Patty O'Cinnamon on the floor. And he's only about four inches high anymore. Can we take the cinnamon bear downstairs with us, Mother? The what? What? The cinnamon bear. You know, Patty O'Cinnamon. We found him in the trunk, and he's the one who took us through Mabyland. And we had lots and lots of swell adventures, too. Oh, I see. May we take him downstairs, Mother? Of course you can. Now hurry. It's beginning to get dark. Jimmy, the tree's all decorated. Isn't it simply beautiful? Uh-huh. And there's our silver star, right on top where it belongs. And cinnamon bear sitting on a branch right near it. Remember the big Christmas tree that Santa Claus had in his palace? Yes, and remember how we watched a wonderful, wonderful Christmas tree parade with all the toys and dolls? You bet. And we rode on Santa Claus's miniature train, and I got to drive it and everything. <sighs> you know what, Judy? What? I wonder if we really did fall asleep up in the attic like Mother said. I don't know, Jimmy. It's all sort of mixed up like. It sure is. But I just don't see how we could dream all of it. What do you mean? Well, I mean... Well, look at Patio Cinnamon. We didn't dream him. Of course we didn't, dear little Cinnamon Bear. I bet he's about the best friend we've got. And what about the Crazy Quilt Dragon, Judy? Well, don't forget that we found our silver star in the Crazy Quilt up in the attic. Sure, but it was a dragon when we were up at the North Pole. You know, maybe it all got changed around like that because Mother came up to look for us. Grown-up folks don't believe in magic very much, I guess. No, they just say you're sick or, or you've been asleep or something. I wonder if we stayed awake tonight. Do you suppose we'd see Santa Claus... We could ask him about it and thank him for helping us catch Crazy Quilt. Oh, I don't think we'd better do that, Judy. Why not, Jimmy? We've just got to find out, don't we? Well, it would be nice, all right. But don't forget what Santa told us. 
Children can't see him if they stay awake. That's right, he did. Well, I guess we just better keep it a secret, Judy. You mean about looking for the Silver Star? Yes. Because nobody would believe us anyhow. But we believe us, don't we, Jimmy? I suppose so. But gee willikers, I wish Mother hadn't said that about us going to sleep. It, it makes me kind of wonder. Well, anyway, we've got our Silver Star. And best of all, we've got Patio Cinnamon. You know what, Judy? Let's put him up on the tree every Christmas. Yes, I think we should. After all, that's where he belongs, right near the Silver Star, where he can guard it and see that nobody ever, ever steals it again. I'm the cinnamon hare. Jimmy, with a I thought I heard something. Why, it sounds like Patio Cinnamon singing his very own song. But Jimmy, he's only four inches high. Listen, Judy. Oh, Jimmy, it is the cinnamon bear. Maybe we were dreaming after all. Now I'll growl. Hurrah! And I'll growl. Hurrah! And if you like to pray, I'm much obliged to you. And so ends the story of the cinnamon bear. Whether Judy and Jimmy dreamed these adventures or whether they really happened doesn't matter. They were truly wonderful and certainly most magical. And now that the Silver Star is shining brightly on the very tip-top of Judy and Jimmy's tree, we can smile our biggest holiday smile and say, A Merry Christmas to you all. We hope you'll always remember little Patio Cinnamon the Cinnamon Bear. That's the one thing that will make him very happy. And I can tell you on his behalf, he'll be much obliged to you. Listening to I Love Old Time Radio with your host, Virtual Vinny. Bob Hope Show, transcribed direct from Hollywood with Les Brown and his band of renown. Yours truly, Bill Goodwin. Our special guest, Frank Sinatra. And here he is, Bob Hope. Thank you very much, Bill Goodwin. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. I decided to do my Christmas shopping earlier this year. Traffic downtown is murder. I know one guy who has a Hudson, and when he drives in town these days, he doesn't step down into it. He just shoves it in the gear and puts his head in the glove compartment. <laughs> and what crowds. Everybody's shopping. Jack Benny was shopping, too. Jack had an awful dizzy spell. Dropped a dime in a revolving door, and it took him five minutes to find it. <laughs> Jack Benny, what he was buying, he said, not very much because he already has a hundred gifts at home to distribute among his friends. His Christmas seals have arrived. <laughs> and of course, I did my family shopping first, so I asked the clerk what I should get for my boys. She said, I'm sorry, I don't believe I know what boys want. <laughs> you should have seen her. She didn't. <laughs> Wouldn't have helped anyway. She didn't have it. But I did get a great buy. 
but I did get a great buy on perfume this year. I, I always give perfume. Last year it was Toujours Moi. The year before it was Toujours Toy. This year I got a lovely scent. It's called Toujours Smog. <laughs> Don't laugh at these jokes. They may catch up. <laughs> Ever get the feeling that you're in the wrong business? some wonderful presents this year. The newest washing machine not only washes and rinses and dries the clothes, it waddles next door and borrows the soap powder. <laughs> but this year my family's getting gifts from my den that'll help me relax more. Contour chair, a dressing room gown, large can of Ovaltine. They're even changing the calendar on the wall to a hunting scene. <laughs> but everybody was shopping. I saw Jack Dempsey looking around. He thought his shopping was done, but it turned out he didn't get anything. <laughs> thought he was going to have another long count. Well, ladies and gentlemen, our guest tonight is Frank Sinatra. Folks, the story we're going to tell you really began this morning when Frank made a purchase in a Hollywood jewelry store. These uh, pearl cufflinks will be fine, I think. I'll take 12 pairs of them. Huh? Oh, thank you, Mrs. Sinatra. But uh, do you think you'll need 12 pairs? Yes, they're going to be Christmas presents for the crew on my picture. Very important boys, these fellas are, those grips and that guy behind the camera. Really? Yeah, you know it. Last Christmas, I slipped up and didn't send him anything, but never again. Why? What did they do? I don't know, but for the rest of the picture, I looked like I was walking around a Sydney Green Street skin. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Mr. Sinatra, where shall I send these? Well, let me see. I just got back in the East, and I haven't got settled yet. Tell you what, I'll be going over to do the Bob Hope radio show. Why don't you send them over to Bob's house? Right. See you later, Maurice. Uh, goodbye, Mr. Sinatra. Oh, uh, by the way, how did you like the signature ring you bought the last time you were here? The signet ring. Oh, that worked out great. It did? Yeah, holds up my pants fine. So long. <laughs> Say, Bob. Yeah, Bill? This package just arrived for you. Oh, fine. And you know something? It's insured for $800. You're kidding. No. No, that's what it says. Gee, Bob, who'd send you a Christmas present that costs 800 bucks? You better unwrap it and find out who it's from. Well, I can't. It says do not open till Christmas. Well, yeah, but th th this could be somebody who needs medical attention right now. <laughs> hey, I, I've got an idea. Yeah, Bob. It says on the package it's from Maurice Jewelers. Call him and find out who sent this. Okay. Now, why would Frank Sinatra send such an expensive gift? Hmm. Oh, hey, Bob. Uh, that present was sent to you by... Oh, don't tell me, Bill. Let me guess. Is it from somebody that has a slim, graceful figure and soft, wavy hair? <laughs> Yeah. A person that everybody looks at walking down the street? Yeah. Someone whose voice is low and musical and gives everyone a thrill? Oh, yeah. And is it someone I'd like to take a trip through the tunnel of love with? Well, you could, but it'd cause a lot of talk. 
that package is from Frank Sinatra. Sinatra? Can't be. That's what the man told me. Well, Frank wouldn't send me a wonderful present like this. Why not? After all the things I've said about him, that he carries bricks in his pockets to keep from being blown away. <laughs> and when he makes a picture, they use a string of spaghetti as a stand-in. <laughs> he's the only guy in town that can pull his shorts on from either end. the gift is from Frank. Gee, he's giving me an $800 present. What do I have him down on my list for? Well, let's see. Uh, you were going to give him a $2 tie clip, and uh, then you decided a 50-cent pen would be enough. <laughs> well, if Frank has given me an $800 present, I'm certainly not going to kiss him off with any 50-cent pen. That wouldn't be right. Oh, of course not, Bob. Put him back in the list for the $2 tie clip. <laughs> okay, Winthrop. <laughs> down, Liberace's mother. Look at those teeth. I'm only kidding. I'll get Frank a nice gift. I'll get it. Hi, Bob. Frank! We were just talking about you. Come on in. Mm. Sit down, Frank. Thanks. Hi, Bill. Hi, Frank. Gee, Frank, it's a real thrill to have you drop in. A thrill? Yeah. Gee, you're looking great. You're looking swell. You know, Frank, you're just tops. Yes, uh, that's the way I feel about you. Well, I didn't know. Should we pick out the ring? <laughs> what do you be, the confetti? Ooh. Say, uh... <laughs> Frank, I'm sincere about this. I'm proud to have you on the show, boy. You're the greatest performer, greatest personality, greatest singer, greatest talent. Bob. Yeah? It's no use. You still got to pay me. <laughs> Don't get too many laughs. I can always finish this program with Eddie Fisher, you know. <laughs> you deserve it. Get this, Bob. What's all this big friendship kick all of a sudden? What's well, I'm all happy, about? that's all. Why? Well, the way I'm being treated. Till this year, I didn't believe in Santa Claus. You sound like a Republican. <laughs> now, you'll understand in a minute. Pardon me while I go in the other room and get a certain package. All right. Say, when'd you get back from the East, Frank? Just arrived, Bill. I wanted to be here for the holiday. Oh, naturally. How about you, Will? Is the jolly old gent with a big tummy going to be good to you this year? Ah, uh, sure, Frank. Bob always gives me something. <laughs> By the way, what goes on with Robert? He's treating me so great, you think I just shot Red Skelton or one of those other guys. <laughs> no, Bob likes you, Frank. As a matter of fact, he's going to spend a chunk of dough on your Christmas present. Four or five hundred bucks. Old Happy Hips likes you. <laughs> Gee, that's touching. You know, my eyes are getting misty. Yeah? And to think I've been giving him such a brush. Oh, shoot. Here he comes, Frank. My boy, you're looking great. You know something? I'd never believe that you're as old as you are. You don't know how old I am. It doesn't matter. I'd never believe it. <laughs> now, look, I'm leveling with you. Till tonight, I never realized how young and how handsome you are. Well, Frank, if Bob's so young and handsome, how come there are all those lines in his face? Those are not lines, Bill. That's right. It's just that I have so much good looks, I have to pleat my face to get it all in. <laughs> You don't have to flatter me. I know how much you like me. Not many people send me $800 Christmas presents. What? 
Do you really think you'll see the day when I'll give you an $800 Christmas present? Oh, I think so. You better start taking vitamins, kid. You've got a long time to live. <laughs> well, why deny it, Frank? Here's the package right here. Let me see that. Oh, Bob, this isn't for you. This contains the presents for the crew on my picture. I just had Maurice send them over here. Oh. Just a minute, Dad. You weren't being so nice to me just because you thought I was going to give you an expensive present, were you? Heck, no, I was sure of it. <laughs> but you still mean what you said, don't you? I mean, about my being such a nice-looking guy and all that jazz and... Of course, Frank. You're fine. You look great. You're in great shape. That is for a human hat rack. <laughs> I meant what I said, too. You do look young. As young as any of those guys. Jack Benny, George Jessel. You know something, Frank? What's that, Bob? It's great to be back to normal again. Sure. And here is Frank singing South of the Border. South of the Border. Down Mexico way That's where I fell in love When the stars above came out to play Now as I wander My thoughts have strayed South of the border Down Mexico way She was a picture in that old Spanish lace Just for a tender while I kissed the smile upon her face Cause it was fiesta And we were so gay South of the border Mexico way and she sighed as she whispered manana, never dreaming that we were parting. And I lied as I whispered manana, cause our tomorrow it never came. South of the border, I jumped back one day. There in the veil, white by the candlelight, she knelt to pray. Mission bells told me she must not stay south of the border, Mexico way. bells told me sing on I must not stay stay south of that border down Mexico way I I I
nice, Frank. Say, Frank. Yes, Robert. Do you recall a little experience we shared years ago during the holiday season? If you are referring to the outstanding fiasco of my career, I certainly do remember it, old man. Pretty grim, wasn't it? It should have happened to Como. <laughs> Would you mind if we tell the folks about it now that the audience is dying of curiosity? Oh, is that what they're dying of? <laughs> One of these days. Yeah. <laughs> Down, Maggio. He should talk. He looks like eternity got here before he did. Well, anyway... <laughs> Well, folks, a Yuletide incident in the lives of Sinatra and Hope. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we take you back 17 years. It is 1936, the last year of the Big Depression, and everyone is struggling to get along. A certain young man is trying to get a job in a Cleveland department store. young fellow, what can I do for you? Oh, your ad in the paper says you want extra clerks for the Christmas rush? I thought you'd give me a job because I'm a Cleveland boy and you know my family. You knew my father before me and his father before him. All right, Hope, I'll hire you on one condition. What's that? Like you say, I know your family. Stay away from the cash register. (laughs) Yes, sir. You can start tomorrow morning in the haberdashery department. Thank you, sir. And Dad will be happy when he hears about it, too. I'll tell him next visiting day. for my husband. Are you the clerk in charge of this counter? Yes, ma'am. Well, tell me, do you have nice, warm, woolen socks that go almost up to the knees? No, I don't. Oh, that's too bad. Well, I really don't need them. I have very hairy legs. (laughs) The very idea. I have a good mind to tell the manager about this. He already knows that we dress in the same locker room. We're on the bowling team. Say, uh, you want to watch out for me. I'm going to be a vaudeville comedian, and i got a lot of fast lines. Well, never mind the socks. I think I'll buy myself a pair of slippers. Right over here, ma'am. We have a complete line. Carpet slippers, bedroom slippers, moccasins, galoshes, and hip boots. The hip boots are wonderful to slip on when you're going to feed the pigs. Do I look as though I have a herd of pigs to feed? I don't know. How big is your family? <laughs> Young whippersnapper, floor walker! Yes, yes, what's the trouble, lady? This clerk insulted me. He said my family are pigs. Well, if it ain't Nellie the shoplifter. <laughs> Beat it, honey. Go on down to the silverware section and put the snatch in some of the sterling. All right, I'll go. But you tell Beagle Beak here be more polite to us shoplifters. We got a union, you know. Thanks for getting me out of that jam. Are you a new floor walker? The dew is still wet on my carnation. <laughs> I haven't even got my striped pants yet. What are those you're wearing? I do some ink lines in my long underwear. <laughs> but it's a little embarrassing, you know, when I go up to the front of the store. Yeah, and it must be chilly around the bargain basement. <laughs> well, I better get back to work. Not so fast. I got a bone to pick with you. Who is it, you? Oh, uh, what's the... What's wrong? Now, look, while you're working on my section, Sonny, no more calling the customers pigs, you understand? I was just making a joke. You see, I'm trying to get in the show business. No, well, shake, Buster. You mean you want to get in show business, too? Yeah, I want to sing. 
I eat singing, sleep singing, think singing. I want to be a singer in the worst way. Maybe Bing will give you lessons. <laughs> I got to do one of the numbers on the store loudspeaker. I, I wish. Yeah, all right. Merry Christmas, everybody. Customers, this is Singing Frankie again. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Go up to the second floor. There's a girdle sale today. Hey, let me... Let me help you sell those girdles, will you? Back it right in here. Oh, pick your size, pay no cash, put it on your tab. Have a happy holiday while we hold in your flag. Hey, you know something, Carl? You know, we're not too bad. Yeah, if you were prettier, we could do the paper-made pen song. <laughs> Hey, Frank, tonight's Christmas Eve. What do you say? After work, we live it up a little. Live it up? Yeah, I got us a date with a couple of creeps. How about <laughs> You want to waltz the light with a couple of fantastics? <laughs> you mean you got us a date with two dames? Well, reasonably accurate facsimiles. <laughs> they work in the furniture department, and their upholstery's kind of loose. <laughs> well, come on. I told the girls to wait for us in the restaurant in the corner. Let's go. I'm going. What is it, Calvina? Oh, those boys ought to be here by now. What department of the store did you say they work in? Uh, the haberdashery department. Why? Oh, I'm just getting nervous, that's all. Once I had a blind date with a fellow from the floor covering section. And when he saw what I looked like, he wrapped me in a tube of linoleum. <laughs> well, these fellas won't be like that. What sort of guys are they? Well, they'll think we're pretty. Oh, stoops. <laughs> hey, here comes one fellow in the door now. There's two fellas. Oh, yeah. For, for a minute, it looked like one fellow with a toothpick. <laughs> well, here we are. Oh, hello, hello boys. Hello, girls. <laughs> you mean, uh, these are them? This is it. You said we had a date with a couple of chicks. So? Chicks, not buzzards. <laughs> Take it easy, Frank. They may not look like much, but they grow on you. They do, eh? Yeah, I've only known them five minutes, and already I'm sick. Sit down, boys. Okay. Oh, you sit right here beside me, honey. <laughs> You're cute. Thanks, Grandma. Now, I'm not so old. I'm just pressing 30. You're pressing 30? In what? Your memory book? <laughs> it's Christmas Eve. Why don't we make a party out of this? Let's live it up a little. Oh, wonderful. Although, in your case, it may be a little late. <laughs> so, you guys are pretty shady for store clerks. Oh, we're not just store clerks. Heavens, no. We're in show business. We're going to be big stars. We're going to live on Fifth Avenue in the best penthouse. You bet. The Waldorf Astoria in a beautiful suite and in Beverly Hills in a ritzy mansion. Where are you staying now? In an alley under a loose manhole cover. <laughs> well, look, if you're such big wheels, let's have some food. 
Okay, waiter, we'll have filet mignons, mushroom, and pheasant on the glass. Oh, no. And no. lobster thermidor, caviar, and champagne. Oh, bye. Ouch. Oops. What are you groaning about? You said you were big wheels. Yeah, but we're a little short of axle grease. <laughs> Well, we've all had a fine dinner. I wonder how much the bill is. Forty-six dollars and sixty cents. And you better have the dough to pay for it. Listen, Herm. You're talking to a couple of guys that are going to be famous someday. Just leave the tab, my good man, and we'll pay you the next time we're passing through on our way to Hollywood. Yeah, we'll be shuttling back and forth all the time between Lan and Tallulah. <laughs> You'll work it out right now, waiting on tables. Us? Waiters? Why, my friend here is going to be a great singer. Then you can be singing waiters. Yeah. <laughs> now, do you start working, or do I call a cop and clap you both in jail? Well, uh, what do you say, pal? Jingle bells, jingle bells, try our stakes today. Just a dollar ninety-eight, that's not too much to pay. T-bone round porterhouse, we've got them by the dozen. They are really famous for they once were Trigger's cousins. Good evening, friends. All oh, thanks for the memory. I want to thank Frank Sinatra for coming out and doing a fine show tonight. Thank you. You're listening to I Love Old Time Radio with your host, Virtual Vinny. The Bob Hope Show from December 24th, 1953. And we're going to finally wrap up the Christmas special of 2019 with a piece from December 17th, 1946. And here is Mel Blanc. Sportsman Victor Miller and his orchestra, and starring the creator of the voice of Bugs Bunny. What's up, Doc? <laughs> yes, Colgate Tooth Powder for a breath that's sweet and teeth that sparkle brings you the Mel Blanc Show with Mel playing his new character, Zookie. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Hi. And starring himself in person, Mel Blanc. Hi, folks. Ugga, ugga, boo, ugga, boo, boo, ugga. Before Christmas, and all through Mel Blanc's little town, everyone is talking about Christmas presents. 
In the Williams house, we hear... Sam Brown, I have a notion you're going to get that set of Shakespeare you've been thinking about. Thank you, Mr. Williams. And in the Tucker showroom, we hear... Henry Adams, something tells me you're going to get that automobile you want. Thank you, Mr. Tucker. And in Brillig's department store, we hear... Mel Blank, I think you're going to receive a tool chest for your fix-it shop. Thank you, Santa Claus. (laughs) So, now we know Mel Blank is in the department store. Let's follow him as he presses forward along the crowded aisles with his girlfriend, Betty. What you shoving, mister? Watch where you're going, bud. Hey, cut out the pushing. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's all right, miss. <laughs> oh, Mel, isn't it awful, this pushing and squeezing? Yeah, terrible, ain't it? Gosh, Betty, we've been through half this department store, and I still don't know what you want. Can't you give me one little hint? Well, there's a jewelry counter. One little suggestion? <laughs> there's a fur department. Still can't make up your mind, huh? They have some gorgeous wristwatches here. Give me a clue. Anything. <laughs> Gee, this store's as crowded as the five and ten. The five and ten. Thanks for the idea, Betty. <laughs> Well, if a certain someone wanted to give his certain someone something, that certain someone should give her a bottle of French perfume. Does that certain someone get the idea? Mel? Mel, where are you going? (laughs) He got it. You bet he got it. He doesn't realize it yet, but he's trapped. And like every foolish lover, he runs to get his girl what she wants. Well, I think I have enough money to get Betty some perfume. Ah, here's a perfume counter now. Ooh, look at this bottle. Sinful Hour. (laughs) A snare that lures unwary men to dizzy heights of ecstasy. Breathless moments of romantic passion. Unquenchable abandon in soft arms. Can I do something for you? Yes, kiss me. Uh, I'm looking for perfume for my girl. Well, how much would you like to spend? We have perfume as high as $100. What have you got as low as? How about, how about a bottle of this shocking? Is it really shocking? I'll say it is. It was banned in Boston. Hmm, that's not bad. Uh, what else do you have? So he bought the perfume and with a happy, unsuspecting smile on his innocent face came back to his girl and... Betty... Guess what a certain someone got for a certain someone. Well, I hope he got that certain someone one of those new calfskin bags. Oh, but that certain someone mentioned perfume. Oh, Mel, every Christmas I've gotten perfume. Can't that certain someone think of something else? Oh, so long, Betty. Oh, uh, did you say a calfskin bag? Yes. Where are you going? To see a man about a cow. (laughs) Well, here we go, folks. So now he's got to exchange the perfume for a bag. But, meanwhile, at the exchange counter... Miss Gibbs, I hope you don't mind our transferring you from the perfume counter to the exchange desk. But Miss Willoughby didn't... Just remember one thing. Just remember one thing. The customer is always right. Just say no to everything. (laughs) Goodbye. Uh Uh-oh, the same girl that sold me the perfume. Oh, she'll never want to make the exchange after all the trouble I gave her. I know what I'll do. I'll pull my hat over my eyes and pretend I'm a Frenchman. It's a good thing I'm such a good actor. What can I do for you? Ah, Hedy, 
mon petit. The cat bar is two miles over. Ah, uh, mon chéri, uh, I came to exchange something. Uh, my girl does not like uh, this perfume. Wait a minute. Ain't you the same jerk that was around a little while ago? Jerk? Oh, oh, jerk. That is American for jerk. Ara, uh, you sure that you're French? But certainly. I came from a famous French family of grape crushers. Grape crushers? Oui. My grandfather was the most famous grape crusher in France. He could crush more grapes than anyone. Really? Yes. Of course, Grandpapa wore shoes. Uh, but uh, he had to stop. Stop? Oui. Uh, the King of France opened a bottle and choked on a pair of shoelaces. All right, I'll go along with it once more. What was the name of the wine? You've heard of Chateau Martin Vintage 29? Yeah. This was Jim Sneakers 398. <laughs> well, now that I have made the joke, perhaps you make with the exchange? I'll do anything as long as you make with the scram. Now, well, you want one slip for a pocketbook, so I better... Well, you got the pocketbook all right, but you've all heard the expression, into each life some rain must fall. Well, here comes the rain. Willie, it looks like you were right. First perfume and then a pocketbook. Uh, Mel doesn't have the money to buy all that, Mr. Colby. I told you not to let him run around with your daughter, Betty. Uh, I just can't believe he's a shoplifter. I know just what you mean, Mr. Colby. He's got shifty eyes. He's been running around the department store. He has no money. But we've seen him with perfume, then a pocketbook. Yeah, it's hard to believe he's a crook. But we know different, don't we? Anyway, here's one happy little chappy going back to his girlfriend again, and guess what? A calfskin pocketbook. But a certain someone wanted lingerie. We guessed it, didn't we? Well, da-dum, 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 da-da-da-da-da-da-dum. Back he goes to the exchange counter. A pocketbook for lingerie? Can he do it? How can I fool this girl again? I'll have to try another disguise. Well, I'll put the scarf here and change this. Yeah, that'll do it. Get in line, folks, and one at a time. Oh, gee, what a mob. Well, uh, what can I do for you, mister? Uh, pardon me, hoot, ma'am. Yes? I'm returning my wife's pocketbook. Uh, it has a mechanical defect. A mechanical defect? Oh, let's see. Why, the pocketbook opens easily. Aye, that's the mechanical defect. <laughs> Well, if you're so thrifty, why don't you just send your wife a Christmas card? Oh, I've got a card now, a bonny card that does for all the holidays. One card for all the holidays? What's it like? Well, it's a picture of St. Valentine in a Halloween costume with an Easter rabbit under his arm, hitting Santa Claus over the head with a firecracker and wishing him a happy Mother's Day. <laughs> For. Well, I'd like to get my wife some lingerie. Why lingerie? No pockets. <laughs> ah, she looked fine in that long red flannel lingerie. Well, he got away with it again. And now back to you know who. Say, I wonder if this is having any effect on him. Oh, that Betty. 
If she tells me she doesn't want lingerie, I'll scream. Oh, now, there you are. Say, while you were gone, I thought of a wonderful thing a certain someone could get me. Lingerie? No, a compact. Ah! Well, so long, Betty. Oh, this is the third time now. Just like a woman can't make up her mind about what she wants. Gosh, that's the third time Mel has wandered off and returned with a different package. Well, just like a man, can't make up his mind about what he wants. Use Colgate tooth powder, keep smiling just right. Use it each morning and use it each night. Don't take a chance with your a breath of trouble is seldom asked to date up double. Yes, that little breath of trouble, I mean unpleasing breath, can lose you friends and alienate people. Don't let it happen to you. Just do this. Brush your teeth night and morning and before every date with Colgate Tooth Powder. For Colgate Tooth Powder cleans your breath as it cleans your teeth. Yes, scientific tests have definitely proved that in seven cases out of ten, Colgate Tooth Powder instantly stops unpleasing breath that originates in the mouth. What's more, no dentifrice at any price cleans your teeth more quickly and thoroughly than Colgate Tooth Powder. Remember to buy it first thing. And remember the name, Colgate Tooth Powder, with the accent on powder. Don't take a chance with your romance. Use Colgate Tooth Powder. And now, Victor Miller, the sportsman, and Managua, Nicaragua. Managua, Nicaragua is a heavenly place. Yeah. You ask a senorita for a little embrace. Yeah. She answers you, caramba, scramba, barbarito. In Managua, Nicaragua, that's no. I have been to many tropic ports. I might include even Brooklyn. If you're ever feeling out of sorts, I'd like to recommend a long Sombrero in a neighborhood shop. And then the girls will follow you like in a parade. That's because they want to walk in the shade. Managua, Nicaragua, what a wonderful spot. It's coffee and bananas and the temperature hot. So take a trip and on a ship go flying away. Across the Agua to Nicaragua. Managua, Nicaragua. You may look.
look any place in the country, and wherever you go, you'll find that any Jane Doe knows what she wants for Christmas, and any Mary Brown knows what she wants. But Mel Blanc's girlfriend, Betty, says... I want perfume. No, I want a pocketbook. No, I want lingerie. No, I want a compact. No, I want earrings. But if Betty doesn't know what she wants, Mel Blanc, who's been going crazy exchanging these gifts, knows what he wants, and he says... I want to kill myself. (laughs) But, like I told you, it isn't that easy. Betty's father, Mr. Colby, and Willie Murdoch have spotted Mel, and after watching his strange behavior, they think he's shoplifting in the department store. Now let's pick up Mel, as for the fourth time, he plods his weary way to the exchange counter to exchange the compact for earrings. Gosh, how am I going to fool the exchange girl this time? I've disguised myself as a Frenchman and a Scotsman. Maybe I can be an Australian. No, I can't talk like a kangaroo. (laughs) Besides, I haven't a pouch. Well, not much of one. Um, I got it. Well, what do you want to exchange? Oh, speaking to me, Governor. Oh, I came to exchange this here compact. And uh, what's wrong with it? Uh, my lady friend doesn't like the lipstick. Uh, the case is right and she wants it grind. What would you like to exchange it for? Uh, Nylons. Uh, I mean, uh, earring, earrings. Haven't I seen you before? Impossible, Governor. Are you sure you're English? Oh, my sure. Oh, oh, oh my dear God. Oh, oh my sure. Oh, 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 oh. I... I'm English through and through. Why, yesterday I cut myself and bled fog. Well, give me the contact and I'll give you an exchange slip. Now you want earrings, huh? Well, the guy's phenomenal. He did it again. Old hands, folks. We're going back to... Uh Uh-oh, look out. The bad guys are here. Hey, look, Mr. Colby. Look, there goes Mel with another package. Oh, Willie, it looks like you're right. But who do you suppose he's giving all the other packages to? Well, his assistant, Zuki, of course. He must be the accomplice. Oh, that can't be. Why, there's Zuki right now, walking over to Betty. Oh, hello, Zuki. What are you doing here? Oh, you. Oh, hi, Betty. Uh, I came to buy a present. I came to get a... I'm just window shopping. Oh, have you seen Mel? Oh, he was over the... Oh, oh he's... He's, he's honest with me. He's honest with me. He's honest with me. Oh, Mel. He's here. And now, where have you been? Well, I'm not telling, but if a certain someone doesn't like earrings, which a certain someone exchanged for a compact, that certain someone is going to faint. Well, frankly, that certain someone would rather have a bracelet than earrings. Oh. Hey, Betty, don't just stand there. Help me pick up that certain someone. Now, any other man would be content to lie there, but this guy's a glutton for exchanges, so he picks himself up and back he goes. Gosh, my fifth trip. Somewhere people are happy. People are smiling. I don't have to do this. I can go out on the street and take my chances with the rest of the pedestrians. Oh, oh, oh there's Mr. Cushing, president of my lodge. Uh, uh, hello, Mr. Cushing. Hello, Mel. Greetings. Greetings, mighty potentate. Ugga, ugga, boo, ugga, boo, boo, ugga. Well, have you decided on something you want to get for your wife? Yes, Mel. But they won't sell it to me without a prescription. <laughs> well, what a Christmas this is going to be. Every woman in the world hangs up mistletoe. My wife hangs up poison ivy. 
Well, uh, what would you like to have hang in the house? Ha! <laughs> you know, Mel, last year was the best Christmas I ever had. I decorated the house, I lit up the Christmas tree, invited all my friends, and served a wonderful dinner. And my wife made the whole thing possible. She did? Yeah, she was out of town. <laughs> well, mighty potentate, I have my troubles, too. This is the fifth time I'm exchanging a gift for my girlfriend, Betty. Mel, no woman can make up her mind. But you know, sometimes that's a blessing. The only reason I'm still alive today is because my wife can't decide on a method. <laughs> well, men are different. I never have any trouble making decisions. Neither do I, Mel. But as I told you before, they just won't give it to me without a prescription. <laughs> well, so long, Mel. Goodbye, mighty potentate. Uh-oh. There's that tough girl at the exchange counter. I'll never be able to fool her again. Besides, what reason can I get from my girl not wanting earrings? Well, I'll take the beard off this dummy Santa Claus and try. What can I do for you, Santa Claus? You've got to have a better reason than not to exchange earrings. I have. Groinish Santa Brian Mikvas, Deutschlavish Brian, no ears. For no. Well, what would you like to exchange this for? Prestigious Grovnik, Kamanich, Brokavanich, Mertovek. Well? You didn't give me a chance to finish. Charm bracelet. All right. Wait a minute. I noticed in my record book these earrings were exchanged from a compact. Uh huh. And an exchange was made before that. Uh huh. In fact, exchanges were made. Uh-huh. I won't be able to make an exchange unless I get an okay from the five people who made the exchanges. Uh-huh. <laughs> you mean if I get the five people to give their hockey, you'll exchange the earrings? Yes, you can find them. I'm busy now. Next. Oh, what am I going to do now? I got to be five people. I got it. Mel Blank, this is the greatest test of your acting ability. You're going to be a one-man UNO. <laughs> now, where's the phone booth? Oh, there it is. Hello? Is this Brillig's department store? Well, uh, give me your exchange department, please. Hello? This is the fellow you just talked to. You want to speak to the people who made the exchanges? Well, I got all five of them with me here in the phone booth. Yeah, we better talk fast because three of us are turning blue already. Hello? Uh, I'm Mel Blank, the fellow who bought the perfume. Sinful Hour? Yeah, remember the label? Come with me to dizzy heights of exquisite ecstasy where lovers in the moonlight hold... What? No, I'm busy tonight. <laughs> See, here's another fella. That's a for you. You're making me come in the side of the phone of boot. That's a What? There was no Italian? Good man, you're absolutely right, not I? I say, uh, Governor. Ah, bonsoir, ma petite. Uh, Come out of there, young man. I'm the manager of this store. Hey, what's the matter? There's that shoplifter. Where are all those packages? Well, Blank, I'll break every bone. Hey, just a minute. I can explain everything, Mr. Colby. 
You see, I bought Betty a Christmas present. She wanted to exchange it, so in order to do that, I pretended that I... Gosh, Mel, I'm awfully sorry about what happened. Oh, I didn't mind it, uh, as long as it was for you. Gee, you're pretty today, Betty. I wish we could get married right away. So do I, Mel. Do you really mean that? Uh, do you really, Betty? Uh, oh, gosh, this is the happiest moment of my life. Uh, I'll always remember that you said it standing right here by house, household pest controls, DDT $1.98. <laughs> well, anyway, Betty, if a certain someone looks in her Christmas stocking, that certain someone is going to find pajamas. Oh, gosh, Mel, that certain someone's been thinking. And if a certain someone really wants to please a certain someone, he'll get her... Betty, don't say it. Perfume. Oh. I say, may I help you, sir? Yes. I'll have a gallon of this DDT. Can I wrap it up? Don't bother. I'll drink it right here. This is Mel Blank saying thanks for listening. Good night, and if the if the if that's all, folks. Well, I'm back again. This time, just to say this is Bud Easton reminding you the Colgate Tooth Powder for a breath that's sweet and teeth that sparkle brings you the Mel Blank Show every Tuesday at this time. Be sure to join us again next Tuesday night for more fun with Mel and the people you'll meet in Mel Blank's Fix-It Shop. Say hello to Halo Shampoo for naturally bright and beautiful hair. Remember, even finest soaps and soap shampoos hide the natural luster of your hair with dulling soap film. But Halo Shampoo contains no soap, therefore leaves no dulling soap film. Even in hardest water, Halo makes oceans of rich, fragrant lather, quickly banishes loose dandruff and dirt. Halo needs no lemon or vinegar rinse. Say hello to Halo and goodbye to dulling soap film. Get Halo Shampoo at any cosmetic counter. You're listening to I Love Old Time Radio with your host, Virtual Vinny. Ending this special with some laughs and the amazing talent of Mel Blank. I grew up on Looney Tunes, but this show really showcased Blank's talent. And that's going to do it for our Christmas special. I hope you enjoyed your time here, and let me know what you thought. Did you enjoy this longer special? And if you're new here, check out our daily podcast at iloveoldtimeradio.com. This is Virtual Vinny. From my family to yours, happy holidays and Merry Christmas. <laughs>